Welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. So this episode was just such an amazing experience for me and it really had me on the edge of my seat. So I really want to paint a picture here of how Hisham, who you're about to meet, really travels. The word nomad gets thrown around way too easily these days, but Hisham is a true nomad. So let's just say for an example, if he was to travel to Brazil, you wouldn't find him down the beaches of Rio de Janeiro. You would find him living with a tribe in the Amazon, dressed as them and stripping himself of his culture and taking on the culture of the tribe he is staying with, which just happens to be his next adventure he's planning. While we were recording this episode in the studio, in parts it was so hard to understand his accent, but his accent actually comes out so beautifully in the recording. And he did so well to explain his experiences in English, which isn't his first language. In the middle of this story, you will hear the word Kalishnikov. For those who don't know what this is, it's a Russian army-issued rifle. So it's stories like these from people like this that drive my passion for adventure. And it just inspires me to really push myself and get out of my comfort zone and find that true adventure. So this was just an incredible story to hear, and I hope it inspires you just as it does me. And I'm sorry for the ridiculous travel stories that we end up talking about at the end but it was just such a good laugh so please listen and enjoy his story okay we're on so diaries of the wild ones i'm sitting here with uh hisham and matt brown matt brown i grew <laughs> up with you Brown. <laughs> what's going on um how have you been dude i've been so freaking good and i've been so excited for this because i've been trying to get hisham here for a while now um you and i have done a couple of podcasts together and they've been really fun i've been telling you about this guy i've been telling i can't i've actually been telling everyone about you hisham Ooh. so um just a little bit of pressure yeah so hisham <laughs> how are you i'm good i'm feeling great okay and, uh, yeah this is a good opportunity to to tell a story so let's do i know it. Yeah. i'm so excited now hisham like no, i met hisham um at a permaculture we went and did a permaculture course together that's right and everyone just kind of broed down like we um We've still got a permaculture group going within that and and so I get to hang out with you guys every so often and it's um it's always good story time. But the reason why I wanted you here is because you're you're quite similar to me and exactly um and exactly what I want for this podcast because you've told me so many amazing stories about how you travel. Now um how do you travel? Actually, first of all, where are you from? Well, um, I'm born and raised in France, but I, I would say that I come from the world because the truth is that I've always been traveling since since I've always been able to travel. And um, yeah, um, I've known a lot of culture and like today I live in Australia. It's been over seven years. I don't necessarily feel more French. I don't live there. I don't know yeah. much of the culture, what's going on now. Yeah. Now, but, what, I, what I love about you saying that is because I've met so many people around the world that you meet and they, they'll say something like that. Like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I don't really know anymore. But the thing is, when it comes down to you, and this is what I love, and this is why I'm so excited to get, to get you down here, is because you're one of the true adventurers. Now, you're, you're kind of like, you've got a bit of a name for yourself in the adventure world because of how you've pushed it in the last 10, 15 years with your adventures. And, and you're here today to tell one of those stories. But um, what do you think makes you different? Um, the way you travel with how 
tourists or how other people normally travel? How, how come you think outside well, the box so much more? I wouldn't say I'm, I'm that different to other traveler. I would say that uh, I used to live as a nomad, uh, you know, just w- walking through uh, the, the countries and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any flight. I wouldn't take any tourist uh, buses or anything like that. I would live with the locals. And uh, and just create an adventure out of it. Really, um, there wasn't no any set type of adventure. I wouldn't not go with an idea. I would just uh, go there and create create a story out of it did, with did you, the locals. How did you choose your countries? Like, where where did you say, "Oh, I'm going to start here," or did you just flip the map and? Well, spin I, the I globe? knew when I left France that uh, I wanted to go to to Russia, and yeah. you know, I wanted to go all around the world without taking any flights. So. I was thinking to take the Trans-Siberian, um, which you know travels a long distance in the in the, go- in the globe. So, so th- was this when you were planning your first big trip? Yeah, that's right. But I traveled I traveled before uh, as a nomad, but this one was an opportunity for me to to take the whole year um, that extended to almost two years uh, of traveling. Uh, but yeah, I didn't have any set goals. I was I just wanted to. To allow myself to go and travel around the world. So you you just mentioned before. So you've always wanted to go to Russia. Now I have you here um, to tell me a story about I think that started in Russia. So did you just go straight from France to Russia, and that's where your trip started, or no, no, no? Uh, as I say, I wasn't taking any flight, so I travelled all the way through Europe, Eastern Europe. Uh, oh, right so you started at France, and then that's right. So how did you across, how yeah. did you do this? So you literally trekked across the whole country, the whole mm. continent to get to Russia. That's right. I was just taking the local buses and living with the local. You know, uh, I was really like sharing, uh, like transforming my culture and, and, my, and the references and just living the life with the locals as they lived. So uh, basically, yeah, I traveled all the way from France, in Europe, the Eastern Europe, then uh, arrived in St. Petersburg and then traveled to Moscow with all the locals that I knew, that I met along the way basically and then i took the trans-siberian um at the time i was traveling actually with the uh, army like i was um so basically when i took my ticket i took it with the local so i could get the the last class and i would travel with all uh, the russian uh that goes to the army so <laughs> that was a very good experience and then um I arrived in uh, Irkutsk, which is the capital in Siberia. And from there, um, yeah, I stayed a little bit in Siberia to try to understand the culture. And I, I was with um, two Russian girls at the time. Yeah. And um, how, how long did it take you to leave France and get to the Russian border? Like, so how that would long have was been taking maybe a couple of months, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't want it to stay too much in Russia. It was minus 30 degrees. Oh, yeah. You showed me that photo earlier, standing there minus 28 degrees. Yeah, so I wouldn't spend, like, that, that, I don't like the cold, but it gets really cold at minus 30 degrees. <laughs> um, so in any way, you have visa re- restrictions in Russia. You can't stay, you know, you have a lot of restrictions with uh, the, your stay. In, in what, yeah. what kind Russia? of restrictions do you get in Russia? So normally you have 30 days. Um, and then you know you have to tell the government where where you're going to, which which days. It's very. It's when I was there, I really felt I was living in the time in Soviet time. You know, like the culture, the minds. Uh, you have like the the male patriarch and 
and uh, and the strong women's, uh, you know, the culture. It's very for for someone that comes from France uh, or the Western country. Um, you you deal with a, a population that are very strong minded, and uh, you you gotta have to respect their culture in a way that, um, you know, they are superior. You know, you, you are just a tourist going through the country. And um, you know you have certain rules to to understand when you when you work there. But you know, as as any uh, traveler living as a nomad um, would understand those basic traveling tips, like you know you need to to speak uh, uh, some languages. Uh, you know you need to be able to communicate in a way. Yeah, what he's been able to read because at least there you know it's only written in Kyrillic. So, so were you learning that? Yeah, I learned on... Did you have to learn it on the way as you're going along the road? Yeah, on the way. (laughs) I started to learn it in St. Petersburg when I got uh, lost in the streets because all the streets are written in Kyrillic. It's always fun. How many times have you kicked that? Like, yeah... You're learning a language and it's just you and like someone else, or you, you think you've got it, and then you get there and you're just pronouncing it completely wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like you think you've got the pronunciation down, and then suddenly, like, they're laughing at you. Yeah, you hear it for the first time, you're like, what? But it says. <laughs> and they know what you're saying, but they just, the pronunciation is just way off. <laughs> That's right. And also, something that is interesting is that when you, when you talk about it with the locals, they say, well, you, you, you would not necessarily trust the authority. Like, if you have any trouble, you won't just go and scream. Uh, your name and go to a cop in the, in the streets um, because there's well at least at the time um, you know you will um, you will deal with corruption a lot you know that was that was in in, in you know November 2010 uh, when I was there yeah so uh, that was before you know the European Games and uh, so lo- like the culture I think there was not many travelers that's what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't uh, wasn't set up for it. That's right. And so, again, um, when I arrived in um, Siberia, uh, I wanted to, to spend a bit of time there. But, uh, you know, as I was saying, I wasn't traveling with any um, tourist transports. Uh, what were you carrying? What were you traveling with? Because you're by yourself. I would have, yeah, I would have had you know, a big backpack with uh, all my life in there. <laughs> what did you have in your backpack? Tent? No, I wouldn't. No, no, just just clo- closing because I lived with the locals. So yeah, um, yeah, just like closing. But again, it's minus thirty degrees, so you will have a lot of closing. Yeah. <laughs> Was there ever nights where you you couldn't find anywhere to stay? Like being nomad, actually, you're constantly on the move. It's funny. Um, I thought about it a few times. It never happened. Uh, the reason for that is because when you have a set of mind that tells you, well, you gotta have to find somewhere, and you're always positive. Uh, yeah, the people opens their arms and let you let you in. Bring you so in, you're yeah. smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> I've slept on so many streets. Just like he actually bought a jacket to the winter, unlike, <laughs> unlike you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you gotta you gotta be convincing too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Another story. I, I I got hypothermia in Korea, but that's that's another podcast. <laughs> so this is when I arrived in Siberia because. Yeah. Um, so this is the whole point of the story is to to talk about what happened to me um, when I wanted to um, go to Mongolia, which was my next uh, the yeah. next country where where I was heading. Now I've just come back from there about two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's <interesting. laughs> which I think is why Aaron wanted to get me on here. Just thought I might have some sort of relation, yeah, to the countryside. Yeah, it is. But, um, it is a beautiful country. Yeah, um, it's a very beautiful so country. Your, your plan was to go through Russia and then down through Mongolia to Mongolia. That's right. 
so that was uh, that was um, two ways for me at the time. Yeah. Uh, the first option would would have been to take the Trans Siberian to cross the border by train, yeah. but I wouldn't do that because um, I wanted to find the harshest way to get you know there, <laughs> and that was another option where where I could go with the locals. Um, and take a, a jeep and go to the border and cross the border. But I knew that this border was an international border. Uh, but I was confident yeah. enough to feel like I could do this. So yeah. this is the path that I took. So is that the path that the, um, that the indigenous or the locals normally take to cross the border? Is there a divide between the um, indigenous on the border of Russia to Mongolia there? Like, or well, are they free to cross back and forth? Do there's you know? definitely a huge difference between the, the east and the west in Russia. Um, you will have the Boyats in uh, in Siberia, which are the native people, um, and then you have a lot of uh, Mongolian that cross the border too. So actually, when I took that jeep, um, it was a very tiny jeep. Uh, we were twelve at the back, and they were mostly all Mongolian. So all you know, Mongolian what, getting back to their country. So returning home. So you've gone on a jeep in Russia. So your next destination is Mongolia. So you've got an under jeep in Russia with 12 other people, all locals going back home. Yeah. You've tried to go across a local border, not an international. Yeah, you can, you can see the faces in, in the jeep staring at me the whole trip. So, and like, <laughs> what, what is he doing? Because, again, it was really cold. So, like, so Russia has a massive border. So you're coming up to a border in a jeep mm-hmm. with a bunch of locals and then they're just looking at one French guy. Are you by yourself at this point as well? Yeah, I always yeah. travel by myself. Yeah. So you're just by yourself. You met these locals. They're on their way back to Mongolia. You've decided to get a Jeep in them. And instead of taking the train like every other tourist would do to clear out and clear into the country to pop a proper border crossing, you've decided to go yeah, the but local that, that, way. That's what I was doing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was just natural for me. Yeah. You know, I, I was a free mind and, and didn't have much issues with the authority at this stage so <laughs> i was feeling pretty lucky and um and again i was confident enough i mean uh, i was just a and the mongolian my passport going through the border going to mongolia i'd leave the country you know the mongolian so nationals were I doing do? that as well hmm? the mongolian people were doing that as well crossing yeah because it's the exact same it's, way it's the cheaper way you know because they're transporting goods yeah. maybe the border is less regarding and what they're transporting yeah. i mean when i arrived at the border um that was uh it was very, how to say it, uh, it w- the authority was very mon- minimal. There was just a few guards, one, maybe I would call the colonel because he was the per- person in charge. And um, there was a couple of dogs too. Um, so I remember when I arrived at the border, um, they, so that was in the morning, they put me apart straight away because I was the only one foreigner. So they put all the dogs, and they they haven't even checked my bag. Like they just oh sorry, they've separated you from yes, everyone straight away. So right. as soon as you pulled up to the border in the jeep with the twelve other people, they've looked at you. Yeah, and, and, pulled I, you and straight I out. Walk, I, I mean, I saw them walking <laughs> towards you know the border and going through to Mongolia, and I was like alone. Like so, what, everyone what? else got to cross, but you. So you left by yourself. Yeah, and this is where it started. Um, where. Everything just fell, <laughs> fell down. But is, is nightmare the right word? <laughs> yeah, nightmare is probably a good word. Okay, I'm Definitely. just going to do a quick recap. So you've left France. You've decided to travel across Europe and Eastern Europe. Um, 
every local way possible. You've travelled across Russia. You've decided instead of taking the Trans-Siberian across to Mongolia, like um, the normal way a tourist would cross, <laughs> you've decided to go the local route where they transport goods and maybe stuff because there isn't as much security or whatever. So you're with a bunch of local Mongolians, 12 Mongolians. You've got to the border. The Mongolians have crossed. Security have come straight over to you with a bunch of dogs and pulled you aside. That's right, yeah. So, all right. So security's got you. <gasps> Yeah. yeah. That sounds like fun. I, yeah, I don't so know about you. At this point, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. The like, yeah. so. thing is, no, no, no one could um, understand me. We couldn't understand each other. Um, oh, no one could understand yeah. English, even though my English wasn't that good, I guess. Were, t- were they nice to you? So what have they come well, up? What have, what's the first thing they've said It's to very you? hard for me to, to explain how the Russians are. Um, especially the one that works in the authority, you know, like a cops, anything like that, or guards, because you have some sort of a, a respect level, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't think that all Russians are in the same level in terms of social classes, you know. Like, um, so you wouldn't speak to the authority um, how you would a friend. Yeah, it's a very class system. You're saying that, you're, so they're yeah. very they're very firm on everyone how they speak to everyone. Kind of under them, kind of thing. Is that what you mean? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's. Um, I was in a situation where I couldn't. I, I didn't understand what happened to me, um, and I felt like I think I was put in a situation where I was a criminal, and uh, and I felt that was the feeling that I felt the whole time uh, with their company because yeah. they made me feel like I was a criminal. So what? So they put me in the in the room. So they've pulled you off the bus. They've got the dogs around you. What have they started saying to you first? Uh, even though it was in Russian, have they said anything or made any attempt to speak in English? Or was, there just, no, was it I, just yelling? For maybe a couple of hours, there was no communications. They've just taken so, you and just taken you and put you in a cell? Well, no, it wasn't a cell. It was uh, a room, like an empty room with a, a little desk at the middle, a chair. Did and you, did you have your did you have your like passport and your was there? I'm, I'm guessing there's some sort of Russian visa that you had to acquire yeah. to go into the country. So they took my passport, yeah, and uh, I was left with my bag. So yeah. when I well, thing is, when they put me in the room, I was sitting in the chair, and uh, my bag was on the other side. But I wasn't really allowed to get out of my chair. I wasn't because there was a guy at the entrance with the Kalashnikov, and he was like, you know, Scared. trying to tell me, <laughs> yeah, trying to tell me that I wasn't able to, you know, just walk around, yeah. and like I had to sit down and just wait. And that's what I did for a couple of hours or more. Um, I think... I were, were you getting nervous? Was it, or at this stage, were you just thinking they're just checking things and then it'll be fine in a second? They're just taking their time just like any other government office kind of thing? Yeah, you know? there was definitely a way to put pressure on me, of yeah. course, because um, maybe it was a manipulating way to uh, make me um, do something wrong. You know, because, you know, you have nothing to do for, for a couple of hours. You just... You so know, do you think they were trying to set you... Yeah, they might have been trying to set you up. Just like, you know, a lot of Asian countries. I, would, I think I would never know. But the thing is, after maybe a couple of hours, the um, there was uh, two guards that came, which there was one that was probably in charge, I'm pretty sure. You know, you know, there's a lot of things that I still do not understand because, again, we couldn't speak to each other. Yeah. So... Um, that lady, she sat down in front of me and she was writing a lot of things on paper. Um, and they were trying to get information from me. But the thing is, they spoke to me in Russian. And I was trying to tell them that I 
didn't speak Russian, but I don't think they believed me. As a matter of fact, I don't think they believed anything that I said or I was trying to tell to them. So we were speaking a lot with my hands and trying to tell them I'm just a tourist. I just so wanna... straight up, yeah, straight up. As soon as they've seen you, they're pretty much in their minds, or what you think is in their minds. They're looking at you like we've got this guy on something. Yeah. He's a criminal. He's doing something dodgy. Why else would this foreigner be trying to cross this border? That's no doubt. Yeah, that was yeah. no doubt that something would have happened to me and at least that was the feeling that I had and also um, I was traveling with the the Lonely Planet guide uh, at the time and um, there was a story about a, a guy that was put in, in a cell uh, for years uh, the the guy apparently had an issue with his uh, passport I was looking a bit shady and um, it was a, a man from Africa, so I'm assuming it was so black. And again, you know, in Russia, and especially at that part, there's a lot of racism with, you know. Yeah. So you're, so you're already aware that this kind of thing happens and now it's happening to you. So that <laughs> even adds to the anxiety. That's right. I was like, well, this story is looking a bit like my story. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. so the guards have come and got you one head guard and they've dragged you out of, out of the room, the interrogation room. Uh, no, no, I stayed actually in that room the whole time because uh, then after, you know, when that lady was here writing down a lot of information on paper, I mean, I was like, what is she writing um, and what did they get out of this? You know, again, you know, I was just trying to escape and <laughs> just get get out of it. Just, you know, I was even um, trying to, to get away to get bribes and, <laughs> you know, get away from it. But what were you attempting to bribe them? Yeah. At some point, did you actually pull money out and say no? No, because the thing is that they actually yeah took things like you know from my bag and yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, had all your stuff. After, <laughs> after, <laughs> you can have all my stuff. Just let me go. <laughs> um. So um, then they left me. Um, so there was a guard still there standing, and uh, and then I spent maybe four to six hours like in that room just alone um, without knowing what's going on I think I remember that it was starting to get dark and this is where um, they came back to me but like for a very long time that felt like it was eternity really because I had nothing to do like I couldn't eat I couldn't drink I couldn't it was cold yeah Um, so um, yeah I just I just wanted to know what was going on, you know. Was there any attempt at all to like get some sort of translator? Could did they did they hear from your accent that you were French? Oh like, well, they have they have my passport, so yeah, they, they knew where I was coming from. Yeah, so that's there what, was a visa. There's no. I think it was just um, a telephone call. Anything that no, I was thinking at the time maybe they thought that I was some sort of a spy, you know. Yeah, and uh, and maybe they wanted. To see what, why would I have to go through this border? Well, what I don't do, what the other tourists do, does, yeah. you know. So, um, I mean, it's not Cold War Russia, so you you wouldn't think you'd think there might be a little exactly, bit exactly. But when you are yeah, there, yeah. I, it felt like it was Cold Russia. It felt like it was Cold like, Russia. Definitely, <laughs> was, you yeah. know, I spent a bit of time in Moscow in this uh, museum, and you know, I was like, it was very much like that. I'm pretty sure it's still very similar even today. Like, I wouldn't think that's too well, much change. Yeah, I did find that when I was in Mongolia, they, they love Russia there. And um, we actually stayed at this hotel and um, it was just a strange hotel in, um, in Mongolia. But they had like statues of the of former leaders and, and stuff there. And it just, 
Yeah, I was really confused by so it. Sounds very pro Russia. Yeah, very pro Russia. Yeah, but maybe they don't have the choice. Maybe they have to do it. Yeah. Possibly. Because <laughs> the authority is there to make it do it. But um, yeah, so I was alone in that room and um, I was a lot of thought in my mind, you know. I, was just, um, I didn't know what would happen to me and I was very scared like really really scared and they came back and they made me so this is where where it got even scared because they came back with the same paper that the lady was you know filling in with it was a handwriting and um they forced me to sign this document so uh so you like, have no idea when, what you're when i want to yeah so obviously you know when you have someone that says oh, you gotta sign paper that is written in a language that you can't understand you like you're trying to you know, get information, trying yeah. to say. So they really took it badly when, you know, I wouldn't, I had to sign it, you know. So the, the, the guy at Kalashnikov just pushed me like, you know, with this Kalashnikov and said, you got to sign it because otherwise, uh, you know. Otherwise shit's getting real. <laughs> That's right. So, um, and you know, the way they talk to me, they scream at me, you know. It's like, I felt like I was a criminal, like the whole time. I really felt like I did something wrong, even though I didn't, you know. Mm. And, uh, uh, yeah, well, I signed those paper, and I was like, well, maybe I just signed things saying that I've done some crime, you know? <laughs> maybe I've been, you yeah. know, maybe I am a spy that did all those crimes on paper, you know? I mean, I it's know. never happened to me, but if somebody had a, you know, the tip of their gun and they're poking me with it, I'd be pretty nervous. I'd probably sign something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, well, the, the truth is I still don't know what I signed. I've never been able to know. But a lot of talks in my mind about you know yeah what did so i you, sign so you've signed it and then what's what's happened uh well then i felt even more um, uh, scared because you know uh, this time it was you know i was put in a situation where i just do what they ask me to do <laughs> and i was thinking about that story that i told you earlier you know i didn't want it to end up in a in the cell and living there for a year until like one of the guys in lonely planet comes across and say well i'm gonna save you <laughs> and you know because that was happened to that guy and that was the story that i read and um yeah i yeah. was really scared so and then they left me there the whole you know the whole night was there a bed in there no no it was just like a, it was just, so, so desk what, with a chair. So what'd you do? Just table. lie on the floor? No, I couldn't do that. I couldn't really move from a chair. Like I was in very awkward type of position. Yeah. Oh, so so if you tried to get up or stand up, would they tell you to sit down? Yeah. So just trying to imagine, like for hours, you put in a room, like a cold room. There's no one that you know. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's no reception, by the way. That that, that place there was no network because you know I could have called some friends yeah. that I know in Moscow, you know, or other you know Irkutsk. Yeah. But uh, I was very You're just in the middle of alone, and I, I didn't drink. I didn't eat. Uh, my mind was like I was Did they scared. Offer I was you water shaking. or anything? They didn't offer you. Or, no. What about no. toilet? Did you? Well, I didn't have to go. I guess. At, yeah, yeah. At the time, but uh, oh no, that's not true. I went out to pee. Yeah, um, because the way it looks, it's like there was one door in that room, but there was also another, another door that was uh, going outside. Um, so the guy was at the door that goes inside. I don't know how to explain, yeah. but basically I would go out and pee outside right in front and then come back in. Yeah, with the yeah. guards watching you. Yes. Okay, so you, you've had to spend the night in the room with uh, a guard at the door and another locked door with a guard on the other side. Yeah, and then it was maybe, I don't know, I would say in the middle of the night, maybe five o'clock 
in the morning, maybe four o'clock. Uh, the guard left the room, and uh, before he left, he put my passport on the table. And what, just randomly? As he he was just putting your stuff in there, or? just very randomly. That was just God putting my passport, and, and and then he left the room, and I was sitting, thinking about in you know escaping because think about it. Uh, I was very not my normal state of mind. Like I hadn't. Like, I just wanted to finish it. Like I was put as a criminal. Like I mean, I just wanted to, whatever outcome that comes out of it. Like whether they kill me or not. Like I just wanted to finish. So, so they've got you on the border. They've pulled you into the border house. They've interrogated you. They've yelled at you. This. They've um, left you in there for hours on and then they've come in with a piece of paper, got you to sign it, and then left you there for the night with guards on either side. Now, about four or five in the morning, one of the guards just places your passport on the table and then he's walked out. So has he done it in a way to be like, here's your passport back or do you think he's just, there's your stuff, he'll just put your passport on the table? No, there was no communication or if that's what you're asking. Yeah, but it, it's just, what, you know, body just language or he just, he just put it down. So you don't know, you're sitting there like, is he giving me my passport back or is he just putting it there? You don't know. Like, so, and yeah, you're too scared because you're too scared to even stand up. So the, the fact that I didn't know anything that was happening to me from the beginning with, you know, it's yeah. just, there was no, you know, I was, there was no dialogue, you know. So now you're looking at your passport and you're thinking of escaping. <gasps> yeah, I'm yeah. like my heart is just going. Where are where crazy are these speeds? Where's the where are the guards gone at this point? Like he's obviously put your passport down. He's just walked off. Yeah, is there still a guard on the other side? The well, I, I, I never knew what was in the other side because uh, I never left that room. Oh, so okay. I, I don't know. I didn't know if there was you more just people. Knew that, you just knew the I door thought, out to where you where you went and peed. Yeah, it could have been like 50 people next door. I wouldn't even know. Yeah, because you know that was. No, no guidance. Like I, I was really left in the room, and that's yeah. it. So the passports on the on the t- table. Yeah, and now I'm like, it's the middle of the night. Um, I know I can go out because the door is open, and uh, I'm thinking I can just run. But then they have dogs. I know about that. So uh, you're thinking of escaping because the border is right next to you. Yeah, not, 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 if you get into Mongolia, are you going to be okay? Is that what you're thinking? I couldn't go to Mongolia. I knew that for a fact because my visa uh, ran out. So I had to go back to Russia to speak to my friends and trying to get uh, uh, any information about it or what happened to me. I mean, I would not joke around with the Russian government. Yeah, you, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. you don't do that. So. Okay. Uh, my in, in good faith, I would have just. You know, my idea was to go back to Yakutsk, the Siberian capital, and trying to get some visa. Uh, yeah, and like extend my visa, trying to figure out why I couldn't just leave the country. And you know, maybe okay, I did I did a mistake. I shouldn't go to that border. Maybe I should take the international border. Yeah. But okay, I learned my lesson, and then I go there and I leave the country. You know, but yeah. how would I? Cro- you, just, you can't just cross the border. It's. I mean, there's there's hundred and kilometers between the borders. Like, yeah. Okay. So you, what have you, you done? Just die. So what have you and done? Then, and then if I arrive in Mongolia, how how do they let me in? Like, yeah. So what have you done? So you're stuck in that room. You got your passport. What do you do? Well, that was a question that I was asking for. I think an hour. I didn't move because I wanted to make sure the guy didn't come back to. So, mm. um, yeah, I was like, well, this is the opportunity. Just run. And I knew that that would have been the, the other border with the Trans-Siberian going through. So I knew that it was the train. 
um, I was assuming that would have been that direction, you know. Well, I had a compass with me, but yeah, I mean, you have to understand it's a very uh, harsh environment. Uh, oh, it's minus twenty-eight degrees outside. Yeah, not only the temperature; it's, it's. I mean, there's nothing like there's no, you know, you can be lost there. Yeah, I'm sure people get lost. Yeah, every return. Um, so yeah, I took, you know, just like I just jump out of the chair, took my bag the passport and run as fast as I could. <laughs> so you just, did you have a, so wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you're sitting in the interrogation room, the guards come in, he's put, it, put your passport down at some stage. He's walked out, you've sat there freaking out for about an hour, waiting to see if he's coming back, wondering what's going on, looking at your passport going, should I just run for it? Yeah. And you've decided just grab your bag, grab that passport and just leg it. <laughs> so you've started running. So what did you do? Run straight out that, that door where you went to wee? Like where you That's went right. to go to the yeah. toilet? Yeah, straight. And I didn't even. And look where back. was your destination? I, just, I didn't know. At the start, honestly, I just run. I just run, run until. Was it night time? Yeah, it was till night time. So you're just running. Yeah. Where I, are you I running? Fell, I fell down maybe honestly ten times. Like. So you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you're just running for your life. Yeah. <laughs> what was the adrenaline like? Going through your body, like you, oh, you like, know, you're you could be in a lot so of trouble. You don't even, I don't know, the state of mind is hard for me to explain. I think, I think you don't really think about anything else but, but your survival. Like, so you're fully in fight or flight mode right now. Right now, you are you are locked in a cage and you've escaped a cage. You don't know what's happening if they're after you, behind you, if the dogs have been set on you. <laughs> you're just. You're I talk about the dogs it. the whole time. Yeah. I was like, if I hear that, did, did you it, hear I'm anything? Done. That would be my fear is to hear like an alarm sound and dogs barking, and that's you know that's what happens in movies. Yeah. But yeah, like I'd be. Are, <laughs> are you running really along the road? Is there but, a road? Like, is it like a main road that's coming in that you came in on? Are you running literally through the bush? No way. Through the snow. <laughs> yeah, the bush. Yeah, and that and that's bad. tundra area, isn't it? That's like just big open, yeah. cold plains, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, I got some photos actually. So you're just you're just literally running. What would you say you're running across the tundra? Um, yeah, I think you could you could eat the tundra. Yeah. So you're so you've escaped the border house and you've just started running just straight through the bush, straight through the tundra. Yeah, minus twenty eight degrees. Yeah. I think I had some some uh, some sort of a superhero type of adrenaline at the time because. How long do you reckon you're running for? Honestly, it could have, it could have been over. At least over an hour, because I remember when I stopped, I realized I was like, "Well, actually, I could have stopped before because I've been keep running." I don't know, like you just, I just keep and running. And plus, because you're out <laughs> yeah. in the middle of nowhere, you're not. So you're not I wasn't near any really towns. Thinking, it didn't have any food on me, like you know. Yeah. And the thing is, so I, I remember when I walk. Um, so I walked, and then I, I find the train track. So is that a town? No, no, I, I found a train track. That's the first thing that I found. And then so you've run the until you track. found a train track. Yeah. And then I, I followed the train track, which was a station, uh, a train station, which um, I could take the train and go back to Ulan Ude, which is the nearest town. So you, you've gone so lucky. So you've run out. What, what temperature do you reckon this is, is that you're running in? Oh, that was definitely at least minus... 35 degree, minus 30 degree. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so you've run out of the borderhouse, out of the guards, pretty much broken out, run across the tundra for an hour in minus 35 degrees, found a train track, then followed the train track back until you found a town yeah. or a train terminal. Yeah, it was... Um, Did you have money on you? you have some money in your bag? No, actually, I did took all of my money. So 
uh, when I arrived uh, at the station, there was a train. I was like, I must have been extremely lucky because I'm pretty sure there's probably one or two trains a day that would have traveled through that station. So that was the, the Provodnista. So the Provodnista, she's the guard in, in the train. And uh, normally you don't mess around with Provodnista. I mean, you, you go there and you, ha- you got to have your ticket and, yeah. you know, be in the norms. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember that I went to her knowing that you don't mess around with them because yeah. th- those are... You know, those, well, you don't want to be in more trouble. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, those women are really, you know, the authority in the train. Yeah. You know? And I remember she looked at me and straight away, like, she knew. Like, she, she saw my face. I must have been extremely white, uh, like, scared as... You must have been dehydrated as, yeah, as well. Yeah, I was... Uh, Cold. shaking completely shaking I, I was not shaking because it was cold i was shaking because i was scared like yeah. my legs was shaking I, you I just know, run for your very life terrible conditions and she just she just saw it you know and she human uh, being to human this is what i always find crazy about traveling you meet people that you don't know the language you don't know you don't know any way of how to communicate with them just looking in the eyes and some just just the body language how much you can pick up on someone so she mm. just fully picked up on your body language. She's just read you. Yeah. But there's something about Russians too. Like it, They're very tough people. Definitely the toughest people that I met. And I've traveled, you know, 30 plus countries and this way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're tough people. But once they open their arms, like they, they give you everything. Mm. It's incredible. It's an extreme. Yeah. You know, from an extreme One extreme to extreme. Yeah. Uh, so she um, straight away she uh, put me on her cabin, and she basically I'm pretty sure that I remember her saying do, do not make any noise, you know, because I don't know if it was because she knew that I was in some sort of a issue with the authority, or maybe she just didn't want to have trouble because she's allowing a passenger to she's come in the train without having in. a ticket. She's taken you in and hidden you and just said, yeah. Oh my god! No matter which way you read that, you're still going to be so scared. You yeah, know? I'd be freaking out. Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, she's going to turn me in. So right, at, at <laughs> yeah, the, of course. At the was... most extreme of this, you're sitting there as a runaway criminal that's now being stowed away. You know, <laughs> yeah. at the most extreme uh, perspective is, of, this of is half of the story, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Um, so then I find my way to Ulan Ude, uh, traveling by train. And uh, did she, sorry, did she help you get on the train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's when she um, allowed me to, to travel in her cabin. So I so wasn't traveling with the other passengers. And just put you in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I left the station, um, that was a little because at this stage I wanted to go to one of the backpacker that I I went because I went to one night and that this very friendly backpacker in Irkuts. And that's a long distance between Ulan Ude and Irkutsk. I think it's probably four or five hours by uh, road. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to get help from someone that could speak English, basically. Yeah. Because, yes. you know, again, First I mean, no one speaks English the over there. You know, yeah. so you, you have a really big barrier in language. Uh, it was at the time, at least. So um, there was this bus, a little bus, you know, uh, maybe I would call it this a truck, you know. But the driver um, gave me a good deal with the last money that I had, really. And he said, okay, yeah, just go in. So 
yeah, basically you find a free way to travel <laughs> back to Kutsan, the money, so that's cool. And have, have uh, you eaten it all yet at this stage or drank at this any time, water? I was still scared as hell. Um, but so no appetite something happened actually in that bus because you know I was still in a, like in a way I, I knew something would happen they would find me they would kill me in the streets and I don't know anything thought that comes in your mind really at this stage yeah. uh, but when I was in this bus for I don't know, maybe four hours um, it was really cold and I remember there was a box uh, next to me and uh, and like for hours I didn't hear anything and. And suddenly there was a bit of noise in that box. I was like, whoa, what is that thing going on? You know, there's, there's a living creature in that box, obviously. As so he's sitting but, next to it for hours and suddenly it starts moving? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was really weird because, it's, yeah, just out of nowhere. It wasn't and, a bunny uh, rabbit, was it? No, but okay, sorry. something even cuter was a little dog. Oh, really? Um, you know, the very fluffy, sabarian type yeah, of dogs. Yeah. You know? um, like a husky. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a husky, but. Sorry, I'm pretty bad with dogs. <laughs> but anyway, the, I took that dog out of the box. I didn't know what who, who belonged. Like, what, what was the dog uh, for? But it was there was no owner. Basically, it was just. Yeah. But you're at this stage. You're that just was running straight off instinct. That yeah, yeah. The amount of heightened adrenaline you and you're just running off instinct. So you see, you're just doing things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, just opened the box, took that dog, and I remember that, that feeling of comfort that. I felt like it wasn't even there anymore. Like it just there was a feeling of comfort with the dog. Um, I wouldn't even say a feeling fault. of love, really. Like it just felt like, all right, well, I'm not a, I'm like not a, a bad person. Fit. I'm not a criminal. I'm yeah. not, you know. I'm just rem- rem- reminding myself that I'm just. Uh, I haven't done nothing wrong. Yes, I probably did something wrong now by escaping um, and having uh, a very difficult situation because I don't have any visa. I, yeah. mean, I mean, I'm in Russia. I can't leave the country and I can't stay in the country. That was my position. Yeah, so your visa's right. <laughs> so I'm, in the, I'm trapped between this situation. Yeah. And and yeah, that dog just uh, was just there. Like, you know, I just felt... felt so you, so you, a little bit of comfort in a, <laughs> yeah, in a, in a dark of, time. <laughs> yeah. So I would always remember that feeling because it was a very great feeling. So, so did you make it to the hostel? That you're heading to. So yeah, uh, finally made it there, and uh, I talked to the to the lady um, at the front. She's she was a young woman, you know. She would be even younger than me. And uh, I told my story, and you know, it's funny because when I told her my story, I th- really thought that this actually happened to someone else before me. I was yeah. like, I can't be the only crazy person that does that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I really honestly I really felt I really thought that she she would tell me oh yeah that happens to someone maybe yeah, it six happens all ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome oh, to Russia. a year ago so yeah like <laughs> I just I don't know I just told my story and she was uh, wow this is crazy <laughs> you what we're we gonna do <laughs> you know and, and then I felt I was like wow okay I'm still pretty much in a in a bad situation did and, she offer any advice? I was, I was Did she offer any advice? Well, no, she she couldn't. It was new for her. She couldn't help. Okay. Have, do you, do, by this stage, do you have money to stay a night in the hostel? Are you able to get yeah, money th- out? Yeah, then I could get banks. That's right. That yeah. was banks. So I could get money. So you, so you're fine now. So now you can, you've got your 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 bank card. So you can go get some money. You can go get some food. You're back kind of on your feet. You're just trying to figure out your situation. You've got well, no visa. You've escaped from the border house. Actually, I didn't really have the time to just. 
uh, you know, relax. No, I had to find a situation. I mean, uh, a solution. Yeah, yeah, straight away. Like, uh, at, well, she called um, the uh, um, maybe I don't know one of the government um, government offices kind offices, of thing for yeah. immigration. Is there like a French embassy at all? In no, Russia? no French. No, embassy? That, that would be one in Moscow. Oh, well, at least at the time, that w- I'm sure of that. There was one in Moscow, but that was it. Would, and that was like, you know, we took w- Sabri in Moscow. It's yeah. thousands of Yeah. <laughs> I was like, would that have been an option of saying, hey, listen, I'm in a lot of trouble. Someone's going to come out here and get me. Well, it was one of the options that I'm probably going to talk about later. Yeah. But um, in that situation, I just, I just wanted to know what was going on and what would have been the options for me to leave the country. Yeah. Um, so she couldn't help. And I had another friend that I stayed because I stayed only one night at the hostel. So I had locals that I stayed at their place. Yeah. And uh, there was this uni student that basically took my case in. You know, she just, uh, you know, we had a really good time traveling together. You know, she showed me a little bit around. and But this time she really put herself in and, and trying to help me. So is and this the daughter of the family that you stayed with? Or is it just no, no, she, she was student. a uni student where so I was staying. Yeah, that I met basically at the station the first time I arrived at Irkutsk and she looked at me and said, do you want to stay at my place? And I was like, yes, I have nowhere else to go, so I can stay at your sta- place, yeah. But I was doing this, like, again, I was traveling with locals. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was just natural. Yeah. So um, you've gone and se- seen her and said, can you help me? She, yeah. She's reaching out. And um, the next day we went to... Um, that building uh, that didn't look at all like uh, a government, uh, like an institution, basically. Yeah. Uh, and we went in and we waited, I think, over two hours to try and to figure out what was going on. And then the guy that just basically comes straight out of us and say, I know, because I, I called and um, I know what's going on. And... He put me in a room <laughs> again. Again, so some guys. So you've gone in there and said, "Hey, we've got a problem." A guy's come out already knowing your case. That's I right. I know exactly what's going on, and yeah. now he's locked you in a room again. So you're thinking, "Oh, they've caught me. They've got me." That's right. That was exactly it because they knew my name, uh, and basically, so you know they've communicated they with put that me border in the room. house. Yeah, they put me in the room, and there was this door separate, separating me and the guy and the girl that was trying to help me. And she was basically uh, trying to defend me and saying that he's not a you know he's not a bad person he's just a traveler yeah trying trying to to leave the country <laughs> and go to Mongolia I keep traveling and uh, is he speaking to you in English this guy no, no they they do speak in Russia the only reason why I w- I'm about to tell you what they're speaking about is because she told yeah. me. Okay. Yeah, yes. after, afterwards, because for the first time, I have someone that could translate what they're, yeah. what they're talking about. So then the guy came in with the girl and said, well, we're going to have to call the French embassy in Moscow. We're going to take you on a flight and go back to your country. And I was like, wow, that cannot happen. It just simply cannot happen because, I mean, this is the end of my my trip you know like i mean i travel all the way to here to siberia and and they have to put me on the flight and go back to france like i was like no i was i'm a strong man 
that person so even in a difficult situation and still trying to find the best of it yeah so, so I was like sorry to say but you had they gave you an option to go back to Moscow and fly yeah. out of the country yeah but you didn't do it no like, <laughs> <laughs> no but it's very it was a very bad outcome for me I mean it's like going back to square one yeah yeah, yeah. I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't just let it happen without did they give a, you a fight at least did they give you option two did they say we're well, gonna do after this after when I, I was saying that this cannot happen you know I'd rather have, I stay in the room <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah I was a bit crazy but you so know how old are you how old were you roughly uh, well I was eight years ago so minus 34 <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, you're a young tw- you're I was 27 yeah, 28 yeah. young 20 year old yeah or mid 20 years that's right so you're like, that's it. No, you're like, give me another option. So, yeah, and then they discussed and they say basically that, uh, yeah, there's another option. We can give you some paper, go through the border, but you're going to have to pay for it. So I was like, you know what? I just I just pay for it. I give you the money you need. Just How much was it? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't very. It was compartmented in different fees, you know. So first, there was the bribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to allow him to to do, do this it. process. We know how it works. And then, <laughs> everyone gets their share. Yeah, yeah I had to paid. get specific photos type, like a lot of forms that I have to also pay for the fees yeah. of the forms. Uh, uh, a lot of things, I think. Administration fees. Yeah. In the end, it <laughs> wasn't. It wasn't that much when I realized now. At the time, it was a lot of money because, you yeah, know, because you're I wasn't traveling, traveling nothing. with money. So you've just gone, that's it. Now, get me out of here. That's what Pay I thought. for it. You've got it. You got the visa. No, this doesn't visa. Oh. It was a... I it was say, an exiting... It, it's yeah, a, it's it a, was a form. It a was form to paper, exit, I yeah. think. It wasn't really my real name on it because I could write my name on in Kyrillic and I knew that it wasn't. So I think, ultimately, they provided me with some sort of fake paper. And uh, they say, well, you ha- you're going to have to go through the same border. So he goes. So you have to go back to the same border. <laughs> yes. So, what? okay, wait, are you going on a Jeep again? Back? How did you get back to the border? <laughs> no, I, I didn't take uh, the Jeep because it wasn't uh, an option available at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So, changed from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just lucky this, this time. Okay. So now I took a, there was a little kind of bus truck, you know. Yeah. You know, locals that yeah. they take travelers, I guess, whoever can pay the the trip you know yeah like Uber yeah. now <laughs> yeah 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 so and you went back to the same border well not what? really actually they I, I did sorry i oh did God. go to the same border <laughs> but that was like two weeks later i had another two weeks to stay in, in russia that was what that you weren't allowed to leave until yeah, the papers went so the papers they gave you what you had to wait two weeks for it, took, to process. it took times to process yeah so you just had to sit there and wait so you no, had to play that's the thing like i had two weeks what do i do in two weeks in Siberia? i mean of <laughs> okay. course i'm gonna do? do the things that i didn't have the time to do because of my revis- my 30-day restriction visa that i had earlier like so i was like well i haven't been to the baikal lake which is the uh, you know biggest freshwater lake in the world and it's just beautiful and i wanted to go there but i couldn't before so that was the opportunity it's like the whole universe is trying to put me in yeah that situation okay, so, so you- i could have more time in russia yeah. <laughs> well this is how this <laughs> is a traumatic it. experience <laughs> <laughs> so so you got two weeks so you decided to go to this giant lake biggest freshwater yeah. lake in the world yeah and it was one of the yeah amazing trip who'd you stay with there uh well they had the they had a place um a little um, place where traveler could go. 
yeah. uh, with some rooms. I guess it was a bit of a house. Is that where those shamans are? No, it wasn't this little town. This is because, well, you know, every day I would go and contemplate the beauty of the Baikal Lake in the snow. And I mean, yeah. you have to imagine it is just, it's just beautiful. Yeah. So what did you, so you spent two and weeks out there? No, no, no. Just uh, maybe a week. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was just, you know, um, yeah, I was just watching the scenery and there was this guy and what I would do is just, you know, trying to talk to locals, what I always do. And um, yeah, and he, he ended up to be a shaman and uh, he basically for the first time told me about the, the spiritual world, you know. Uh, at the time, I was, I think, very religious. Um, what religion? That would be Muslim, yeah. um, which, but I'm not anymore. Uh, but yeah, I was very kind of centered, I guess, on my belief. And um, yeah, for the first time, I could talk to someone that, you know, I guess I was always spiritual in a way. So it was a spiritual it shaman. Was a, it was a shaman. I, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, just the name of his. What did he know? talk to you about? Oh, it could have been anything. Uh, I don't know. He was probably acting more like a psychoanalyst, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so no, you've met this guru, this shaman. and No, so he was just talking about the energy, um, you know, the, the web around us that we can't see, um, the, the spirits traveling, you know, the, from body to body. And, you know, the few things that it's funny, at the time I would have listened to him, but... Um, I couldn't really get the information, but it was it. the beginning, actually, of a longer story that I'm still following right now, uh, a spiritual journey. And it's, yeah, it always been the beginning of it. So so you feel like this all happened for a reason. So you, right. you got that extra two weeks in Russia. And so you've gone down, you've met this shaman. That's right. He's, it, just, he's literally changed your religion. He's just... I wouldn't it, say it changed. It was, as no, I said, no, but no, was, he's uh, opened your mind to different... That's right. It was to, just to like yeah, one of the sense. one of the bricks, you know. Yeah, one, the penny dropping moment. That's right. That, one of those things that shapes who you are now. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Would I? I'm pretty sure that without this encountering with him, I would have. Yeah, I wouldn't be. So where what did I that do for you? Because I don't know. You know, it made me interested in. Topic, yeah. You know, and uh, thanks to him, when I, when I, you know, trying to understand this, I don't know. It just yeah opened the door, I guess. Yeah. So. You've spent a week down with the shaman um, down on this lake. You've had this crazy sp- spiritual experience that has just changed the way you yeah. literally think and about I have life. To, I have to go back to the hell that I was before. And I remember it was just some sort of a, like a pause, you know, in puzzle in life where you feel good and then you, you know you're going to feel bad again. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go back and deal with this Russian thing. And, and hope that I can just leave the country, you yeah. know, I just... That was like my biggest switch at the time. <laughs> so this time, did you decide to take the Trans-Siberian, the train? Across? Uh, no, I had to go through the same border. Oh, no, you had, yeah, yeah, sorry. The, what, what was the reasoning of, of them making you go through the same border? Was that your well, like, choice? They can take, well, I, I couldn't really understand. I think they were still playing with me. Yeah. You know, I was just like a little rat in the labyrinth. And or was it sort of so it, those guys down there can sort out what had happened? So uh, no, no, because well, the only few information that I knew about what I signed because I was trying to, f- when I was in Irkutsk with my friend, I was trying to help me. Uh, I was trying to figure out what I did sign, and 
the only information that I got out of it is the fact that I couldn't go to Russia for the next five years. Yeah. After what happened. Yeah. And uh, and that's it. Like, I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I would never be able to know what yeah. was. You know, I don't so have those papers. Mis- so, mystery. Yeah. So you've rocked back up to the same border in a bus or a local car this time, that someone that you've paid to take you across the border. Yeah. Um, when you've gotten to the border, you've got your papers. <laughs> have, have that... Yeah. Have you seen anyone familiar? Or what, what, what happened here? What happened when you rocked up to this border again? Honestly, the guards that I was dealing with, they were different. But the one above, uh, the one that was making that the head rules, guard. Yeah, the one that I, pro- I actually saw him only the second time this time because I only saw him once or so the first time. So oh. he, he, was, he was there and I remember he looked at me with a smile. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't, you don't see the authority with a smile much, but like... <laughs> it was just trying to make a point, you know? Yeah. Like we I got was you. so scared. I was like, they're going to put me out, like, and ask me the question, why did you just leave and whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, I was, I mean, I felt like I did something wrong, you yeah. know? I mean. They were all they were all actually just super worried about you. <laughs> like, oh, he disappeared. <laughs> His smile was like, oh, <laughs> I'm so glad I hope he's okay. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so you've had to hand in these papers. Yeah. And what have they done? Just stamped and let you go? No, no, no. They kept the paper and, and yeah. And then I had to stamp in my passport and I left the country. And So now you're in Mongolia. I was yeah, still really scared until honestly I was traumatic by this experience. Like I remember when I arrived in the Mongolian border, I was like, that's it, they're gonna stop me because you Were know, you looking back at them? Like <laughs> see if they're running after you. <laughs> so I wouldn't look back. I would just, did, did you I have any did you have any problem with the paperwork leaving Russia, um, getting into Mongolia? Was there anything that they had a problem with you when you're at the Mongolian border? No, because I had my Mongolian visa. Uh, so they let you straight in. So now you're in Mongolia. What's yeah. your travel plan? So the funny thing is I go to Ulaanbaatar which is the capital of Mongolia. And so uh, I like the way you pronounce it. I kept pronouncing it Ulaanbaatar and they all go, huh. Yeah, that's probably because I'm mixing <laughs> between the French way I, and the... Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> mine's like a very English way of saying it and I got laughed at a lot. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful city actually um, in a way because it's, it's unique, you know, mm. it's nothing like it. It, <laughs> is, very, it is very unique. It's, it's, it, I, the way I've been explaining it to people, I'm like, it's... It's very modern for compared to the rest of Mongolia. Yeah. Except just imagine that it has all the rules, but nobody really follows them. <laughs> and that, yeah. was, that was quite funny. Probably was, because the Mongolians have a very strong culture on their own. Definitely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I arrived in Ulaanbaatar and um, I, I went to that uh, hostel that a lady that I met early in Irkutsk like weeks ago. And... Um, and she asked me to go to her hostel. It was just a family, you know, it was their home basically. Yeah. But they have a few travelers coming to their home. And um, I arrived there and I remember I was like sitting in a table and, uh, you know, I probably spent already a night out there. And uh, that was this couple of, uh, you know, Spanish people and talking to uh, an Australian guy. And they were talking about my story. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, they were talking about a French guy that crossed the border and has been arrested and left the, the place. And, you know, and I was like, about a minute, like, who are you talking? When was that? Like, it was just, I was, 
you know, they were talking about my story. So well, you've gone to this little hostel, like a little family hostel that just which has is a, in like, another country in another country in Mongolia. It just has a few, like, uh, few, few backpackers stay there. The only other three backpackers stay there, sitting around the table having dinner, and they yeah. start talking about your story. So your story has gotten around the backpacking circuit around Russia, Mongolia, right. about the French guy that yeah. was arrested on the border. So all the backpackers <laughs> talk to each other in that area. I'm guessing. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, well, at the time, there was not many travelers going through this. I, I guess it was also because it was really cold. And, yeah, yeah, we, we all knew, I guess. I mean, not that we know each other, but, you know, they take the whole Trans-Siberian, maybe they talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how it happened, but all I know is that I was sitting in the stable and I had that very crazy feeling that these people are talking about my story, but in a very different way. Did that freak you out? Huh? It, what did it do? Did well, it no, I just came to them and I was like, who are you talking to? Like, is it, is it, um, I mean, are you talking about a, who's French? I, do you have a name? Because I was thinking it could be that happened to someone else, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But actually, no, it was, it was my story. Yeah. Did, how did they hear of it? Did you ask them? <laughs> well, they, yeah, they asked them and they said they heard it in Ulan uh, Ude in another backpacker. Really? Yeah, so the so story's gone around. It was, yeah, it was different people, but I don't know, I'm, I'm probably making my mind here saying that it's the lady that I met in Okus, you yeah. know, in the hostel that probably told the story, but yeah. it's just apparently there's a lot of people knew about that story and <laughs> uh, I was an example to not, not to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you're the, oh, so you're the French guy that broke out of the border <laughs> house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Authorities are, so, okay, so, so now you're in Mongolia, you're at this little hostel, what's your plan, where are you going to go? Well, then I keep doing uh, my challenges. I think, uh, I left a few days um, with another crazy French guy and we we walked through so, the steps for three days and we almost died maybe. So wait, 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 start again. So you, wait, wait, elaborate on this. So you've met another French guy. Yeah, he, he was a bit crazy because he, he actually walked all the way through France to Mongolia. I and mean, you've just run into this guy and walking. he's traveling similar to yeah. you. It's just, yeah. Oh, he was, walked. I think as crazy as me at the time or even more. And I was like, well, this is a good opportunity for me to travel onto the steps because... What's the steps? Well, it's the landscape in Mongolia. So you, you won't call them like mounts or you will say steps because the way it's structured maybe. So what is it, the tundra? Yeah. Is it the tundra? You get like that same kind yeah, of tundra, tundra area? That's right. So you have... Uh, so. Okay, this is minus forty degree in yep. at this time in Ulaanbaatar. It's it's really really harsh cold. Yeah, and we decided to f- walk out of like in the middle of nowhere. Um, Why? <laughs> through the steps. <laughs> yeah, uh, because we wanted to meet the herdsmen. Um, oh, the nomads. The, the, the one that actually yeah live. In the yurts. In the land, yeah, in the yurts. Oh, so you wanted to go out to the tundra, trek across the tundra, across the steppes in Mongolia, yeah. and um, go travel to see the nomads. The, what's, what are they called? The no, I, I know them as the nomads that live in the yurts that travel from yeah, yurts. Well, I think, are they Sherpas? Are well, they, they called them gurs. Uh, I don't know if they call them yurts there, but gurs. Well, they refer to them as gurs to us. Yeah, yeah there's many names. Yeah. Yeah. And what are the people called? Their culture. They're Mongolian. No, no, no. The nomad, like the people that live in the um, in the Gurs. Well, a lot of them were were referred to as nomadic. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the population. I mean, even though Ulaanbaatar is the capital and it's very modern, the um, 
the rest of the population actually live in the yurts. Yeah. And right. there's no real land ownership. Once you sort of get outside of the capital, most of that land is just open land. So those people are able to set up yeah, basically they, they, where they, they want. Yeah, they And that's, just, and that's that nomadic lifestyle. Um, I, don't, I, would, I don't know. I guess some are, but as far as I can see, they, they tend to live on the land. Yeah. So mm. you've met so, this guy and you've decided, let's trek across the tundra, um, hike across in minus 40 degrees. Yeah. Where are you going to stay? <laughs> what's, what's your plan? Have well, you planned this out? What was the plan? You go. We had we had the map uh, with the compass. Yeah. And that all. And that was it. And you've decided. So you had a destination. Where was your destination on the other side? We wanted to go. Uh, well, we just basically kind of draw like a circle. So we can, you know, we knew that it would have been worth for three days walking. So constantly from morning to dawn. And um, and yeah, we didn't have like a plan. We just we we wanted to find the herdsmen you and know, just with, stay with, with them. Yeah, they are like shepherd with the yak. You know, yeah. they, they travel there, so you you can't tell where they are unless. So you're like, I'll just. So your plan is just like I gotta. So your plan is you've met this French guy and you said let's let's trek across the tundra and we'll just stay with the herdsmen. Yeah, in actually, we were traveling with we'll another two American guys, but they dropped it after a few hours. But <laughs> they got over but it. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was actually a really no, good thing. This is the same for me. <laughs> <laughs> two hours in, yeah, no, I'm done. Okay, so the first day you've left, you're like, okay, we're just going to walk until we find some herdsmen. Is that your? Is that the plan? I guess, yeah. Even just walking out of the city would take you a good like part of the day. Like, oh yeah, it's very, did you get yeah. a bus to the edge of the city? Uh, yeah, we did take a transport, yeah, um, a local bus, yeah. That would and then have taken, you just started walking. And then we started walking. Which, which like, direction did you go? Because it, it seems to me... So, that would have been, me, um, imagine from Ulaanbaatar, you just take a, a three-hour bus down south. Yeah. And uh, and those ones are actually one of the steps uh, you probably can see kind of in the map. I'm just sort of... Oh, sorry, I'm just sort of thinking because um, if you go one direction, you've got uh, this is the thing you've got all kinds of landscapes. You've got uh, the, the, you're going to end up in the desert or you're going to end up in the, the green mountains. It's uh, well, oh, you're in, dude, you're it, in the it snow, was, it though, was which winter, is uh, so yeah, that's more like a gray white <laughs> landscape. So, if you head south, the Gobi is south. Did you end up heading towards that direction? Yes, M- but maybe west south. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, again, it wasn't very... So, you're trekking across the tundra with yeah. this one other guy. So, you've left with... There's four of you. Two have, two have bailed. <laughs> two have dropped off. You started hiking <laughs> yeah. and you're like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. So, they've obviously gone, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Or they've... Yeah, they, because the reality is we are, we tried to get advices from, uh, you know, people were... Where to go? Yeah, because we, you know, we bought a map and the shop, and we talked to some of the locals, and they said that 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 is crazy. You shouldn't do that because if you end up to be in the middle of the night there and you can't sleep, you would just die just by freezing. And if you don't freeze, the wolves would come and get you. Yeah, they kept talking about the wolves. I was ho- every every night. I'd so we'd sort of sit there in the dark hoping to hear something, but yeah. we well, never did. We did. <laughs> so you've got a bus we down to the tundra, did. to the edge of the tundra. Started yeah. to you've got a map and a compass and you're going to cross the tundra for, yeah. for what three days? You think you're going to hike? Yeah. Well, actually, we had a really um, good scare. I guess the first night because we we were really expecting to find some herdsmen on the other side of the valley, 
Um, but when we arrived there, it was, I think it was around the middle of the afternoon and we couldn't find anyone. And we were like, whoa, it means that we're going to have to spend the night uh, on our own outside. And minus 40 degrees. We were getting really scared minus about... Minus 40 degrees. Yeah, we were really scared because we didn't have necessarily the right equipment. We did. So are you just trekking? You're just trekking across the tundra right we now? Just, yeah, basically walking out in the wilderness. There's nothing. No one goes there. It's just, you know, you have to imagine 30 centimeters of snow. And yeah. what is underneath the snow? You don't know, like, how many times we fall down, uh, like, because of the you know, trees. All the trees are dead. Um, you have to imagine a scenery where, you know, when you go on the steps, there are really hard rock. And, I mean, we constantly be falling. I remember we were, like, bleeding. Yeah, nearly all the mountains have some some type of rocky sort of thing on the side of them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we were, we were climbing those. That's so dangerous. I mean, yeah, we were climbing those, like, without any equipment. And yeah. honestly, at any moment, one of us will fall, we'll just die. Like, literally, I'm not lying. It's and the population there couldn't have been like what it is today. You're talking about almost yeah. 2010. Yeah. Population's even less. You've got less people out there yeah. to help you. So, you're, oh, just, so you're crossing no the, the tundra. It's mid-afternoon. You've got to the place where you thought you'd see... Yeah, and um, we are, and we are like... Mads, and you haven't seen them. Yeah, and we are like, well, we can't really take the risk to sleep as so we have a window of maybe four hours before the sunset and we're like all right we just probably have to cross the other valley and and try to reach the other side and maybe in the other side we'll find other like a yacht you know yeah. and uh was probably like a eight hours trek i guess and so we did it in running we just Run. So you just started running. You're yeah. like, if we don't start running, our core temp's going to drop. That's right. We're just not going to make it. And there. we couldn't be in the dark because if we're in the dark, it means that's it. The wolves will get us or, or, or we're going to have to find so a way to make a fire. So you're around the middle of the tundra. It's just, you're you around know. minus 40 degrees, rocky terrain, middle of the tundra, hiking across yeah. the tundra looking for a yurt to stay in for the night. You've yeah. got into the valley where you thought there was going to be people you haven't seen. Yeah. So you're like the next valley over, eight hours trek. You just started running. Do you think so, you might have missed some of those girls? Like, because oh, they're sorry. white, they're they're like white with a little bit of blue. No, most of we, them, we would have seen it, but again, it is in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. yes, they could have been on the I other side of one been, step. Maybe yeah. they would have been on on the other step. But you can't, you know, to go there, you have another four hours walk. I mean, you can't just say, oh, "I'm going to go there, check it out, and then come back." Are you looking Are for you? smoke? Are you looking for smoke signals? Or by this time, is it too dark? Uh, no, there's no smokes. So has yeah, it gone, the, has the it smoke gone signals are quite are quite small. Yeah, you'd you'd be tough. No, that was that was definitely no way. I mean, yeah. if that was, but so once you've started running because it was mid afternoon, um, and then you got an eight hour trek. Once you started running, is it dark? Has it so gone yeah, dark? Uh, we arrive at the top of the valley and we're like, whoa, um, we're gonna have because you know you had trees, so you can't really yeah. go through. You can't see through, and we're like. We're going to have to get out of here because we cannot just camp there. And it was already dark. So, yeah. When you yeah, say camp, what were you going to do? Dig a hole in the, in the snow? Yeah, just... just hug. <laughs> get in fire and try to survive the night, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is what I love. This, this is raw adventure. This is the thing. It's like pushing it's pushing the boundary. You're just going straight out mm. on your own on a full survival mission. You know, like basically you're so responsible for yourselves right now. Every decision that you make, everything you, that you're out there doing, you're just out with the elements. You're out in a place where nature is completely in control. 
right? And so, and so you've got to play the game with nature. You've got to be smart yeah. about this. And, you know, I was learning a lot from the, my partner uh, at the time. He was very strong, yeah, you know, strong, strong man. So you just started running because you're either going to freeze to death in minus well, 40 we, in the Well, we heard the wolf. We heard the wolves at this stage. So. You heard the wolf. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. Shut that up. Was like, that was very scary because we knew they were around. We knew that somehow they were following us because we were making great distance, you know. And um, I don't know if I'd spot that in the uh, <laughs> in the yeah. daytime. So we've just put up on the um, on the screen here. We just put up a smoke um, coming out of the girls. Well, it's just a small no, village this, in this the This is snow. a house. I mean, this is a community. You know, it was. Yeah. So was you're looking like for that. one of these. They'll be looking for one. So you're looking for one. Girl. Yeah. Well, so, there's a thing where we actually run all the way down. Like I mean, remember we felt. So on top of the valley, you've gotten to the valley. Yeah. You've heard the wolves. It's pitch black. You can't run through yeah. the trees. Yeah, that's. I mean, you just want to get out of here, so you just you know keep, so keep like, going. Let's just start like, running. Just, you know, tired. How many hours do you reckon you're running for? So you're running through the tundra, minus what? So what? A foot worth of snow. That is so hard to run through all that. Yeah, that's what I'm that saying. That would be it was so really, much really especially hard. with a pack pack on you. Yeah. So, but the thing is, you've gone into survival mode. You have to do this. So again, on this trip, you're in survival mode, running for your yeah. life. My legs were bleeding. Like, I mean. There was, what kind of what were you wearing? Because you said you didn't have really have the right gear. We had to go to the local markets um, outside of Lombato to get yeah. some proper gear, and they got uh, some interesting markets there. I I went to one and yeah, it's it, it's mostly it's well, very we, different. Need, we need we <laughs> need some very heavy like kind of fur. So you're wearing local attire. Yeah. You're wearing full fur. That's right, local all local boots. Um, Everything. Yeah. So you're crossing the tundra, looking like the full Mongolian nomad. Oh, yeah, I have photos and now you're you. stuck in the tundra in the middle of the night with wolves howling. Yeah. Can't find. You know, you couldn't even cl- close your eyes for more than a minute because they would stick. Oh my like, god! And because you you have stalactite going through your, you know, your beer and <laughs> your eyelashes. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's minus forty. So you're running for your life with this one other guy. Now you're running from wolves. Well, not how did you know, just not die? We just we well, saw yeah, similar. I to mean, that. we have one goal was to you know get get somewhere to to sleep the night. You know, mm. uh, you know, uh, any anyone would <laughs> like. We, anyway, we we walked and um, when we arrived uh, at the bottom of the valley, we saw a yacht. So you found one. Oh yeah. my god! What time do you reckon this was at? So that would have been around maybe eight. Nine. It was pretty dark. It was so you've oh been you've been running from two o'clock. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be too specific with the like the hours because it was a while ago. But it was it took basically the whole uh, day from very early morning to late at night to go across two two uh, valleys, two valleys basically, In the to tundra. the other side where we find a yurt. And minus, so you and found a yurt. So yeah, and, that, and I know we were like looking at each other and. Like we were happy, like oh, wow, this is we made well, it. Well, it's your savior, you know? your savior. Yeah, so, yeah. So, what, what was their reaction when you when you just shown up out of the so out of the middle of nowhere? Like, yeah, it was interesting because when we show up, there was a little boy inside the yacht, and uh, you know we were expecting to have parents, um, or you know, like a family, and. Um, and they had the yaks on the uh, other side, so they were like proper herdsmen, you know, traveling through. And uh, and yeah, the the boy just uh, 
met us, you know, we sit down with him. You know, could, could you we, speak any? The thing is, um, there's a very particular culture in Mongolia, you know, and you have certain rules also uh, how to behave when you go inside a yurt. And so we learn all of that before, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, a really big respect in that regards with uh, the way the way you apprehend your host is how you get a response from your um, I mean from the guest yeah um, I don't know if I can explain that but so basic that'd have to be quite hospitable because the nomads if anyone traveling through there they'd have to let them in otherwise it's they'll exactly die it. so exactly they'd have a culture of looking after each other that's come coming past that's right and we took advantage of that because we knew that they would have opened the door because otherwise... Otherwise you'll die. No, yeah, they know we'd die. So. so you know it's quite open that you can just travel. So you already knew that you could travel yeah. from yurt to yurt. Oh, what are they called again? Um, uh, girls. Girls or yurts. Girls or yeah. yurts. It's, 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 I think it is the same thing. So, yeah, you're traveling from yurt to yurt um, and you know they're just going to let you in. So what, a, what, a, what an idea. Hey, let's, cross, let's go across the tundra just going from yurt to yurt. With the nomads. It is a great experience. What a and great honestly, idea. Like, uh, uh, Except for the first day not finding one and nearly dying. <laughs> so you found one. So what have you done? So you, you, you're in the boy. He, he's let you in. So yeah, and we obviously, we can't speak to each other because uh, there's a language barrier. Uh, but you know, like always, you find a way, you do some drawings, you speak with your hands and... You know, body language is <laughs> doing some drawing, showing you guys the two guys walking like across tundra. <laughs> yeah, the map and all. Yeah, no, with this, yeah. Uh, we didn't have a proper conversation. But, but did, did he feed you or like? First thing we had there yeah, was a uh, so like straight up he just local, gave you food. Yeah, local tea, local tea, warm tea, and uh, yeah, we ate something. And I think maybe uh, an hour later, there was uh, another guy that came in. And it was it was the the one the herd you know the one that's controlling the, herd. the herds and it was young but how old how old are we talking like boy and the other one so like, the boy would have been maybe around twelve years old okay and so that young yeah yeah but the guy he was he was younger than us I remember he was probably nineteen twenty yeah but he was just a man you know he was really much like a man yeah but very young in age. And um, and they explained the situation because you know you have this those herd men they they living together but they're not brothers yeah and we're like it was um, a very interesting story because they told us that the the kid uh, left his family from very far away from the south of Mongolia to try to get some money for his family. And uh, and he was basically working with uh, they yeah, were working the together yeah. yeah so he was paying him yeah right oh um, it was more like uh, yeah they were somehow brothers but not not by related blood. by blood yeah yeah so how long did they you taking, stay they with were them taking for? each other taking care of each other yeah um, and the young boy was yeah making the task of a man too there was yeah, yeah. it's quite a, quite interesting unique well, what a great cultural experience yeah. You're and there, we spent like, the whole night with them and it was just amazing. Like we we were just dancing. Uh I remember in the middle of the night we would just go like out there completely almost naked and in <laughs> minus forty yeah. degrees. 
Yeah, because <laughs> what did yeah. you just get drunk with them, or always just just by meeting no, new people, no, just being just, on a high? Yeah. Like just that's right. No, no alcohol really involved. D- just um, having a great time. Yeah, the just, four of us, we were just having a. How is that with the, the language time. barrier? I, I can't That's see right. more of an adventurous way to like get to know a culture <laughs> than to just really roll up it. out of the mountain <laughs> yeah. and say hello. That is incredible. Yeah, just be like, you, yeah, shared a meal, uh, shared stories. Well, you've uh, come through this adrenaline day where you've just been on such high adrenaline, where you've had to fight again for your life, and next thing you've come to to this yeah, yeah. where they've where you been forget? your savior, where they've fed you, they've. They've um, accepted you into their family, then you've enjoyed. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Mm. So, you're just on a high from this. Is, yeah, yeah you, you mm. kind of forget what happened before because, you know, you leave the prison yeah. time and you, like, you really just. I bet you'd have such a bond with these people too. Like, you know what I mean? You said, shared such an amazing uh, I would never be able to, to forget uh, yeah. about what I leave with them. This is printed in my memory forever. Yeah. And, and I remember, the, you know, the, the young. Uh, dude is uh, uh, you know I remember he wanted to smoke because you know my, my friends were smoking and uh, and I remember I would have like act as a you know like the adult foreigner yeah. that is here and say no you kid you can't just smoke <laughs> like, when you say smoke he's talking about marijuana no 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 cigarettes oh, oh no I mean, cigarettes no we are no no, no oh, he wanted there. To smoke. No, I don't think you would even oh, find okay. marijuana I just yeah and I just kind of connected to the outside dancing cold in the snow being stoned <laughs> it's like when, as soon as you said no, smoke no, no. I was like oh that makes sense definitely just high in life <laughs> yeah nothing. just high on the energy yeah so how long did you stay with him for just the night we left uh, early in the morning and did he give you di- directions to say like where other yurts would be yes so, so he, this he time was a per- bit well he help her where, where he can because again no one really knows where because you know they're moving you know yeah but he told us that you will have a chance if you follow this road which was actually following your river which you know when you think about it, it makes sense maybe we should have followed that <laughs> <laughs> in the first place instead of going through the steps you know like out of in nowhere in nowhere you know with uh. no guidance but yeah then we find that that following the actual creek could have uh, guided us uh, yeah. all the way back to Ulaanbaatar and we walked all the way to Ulaanbaatar. That was like... How, how many nights did you spend out in the tundra? So that would have been three nights. So and we each spent night you found in, a yurt. That's right. So the people next... People welcoming us with a... So how long did it take you to find a yurt the next day? Um, well, we we found some during the day. So we just set off... So it was easy after that kind of thing. Once it, with that yeah. guy... Well, I wouldn't say easy. You're still in minus 40 degrees, but you're not like uh, running for your life this time trying to find one. Believe me, after three days walking like every day in this condi- harsh conditions, yeah. uh, I couldn't walk for like another three days after that. Yeah. It was just what, painful. But a lot of people Lucky. don't realize, yeah. especially hikers, no, but people that do treks like this are like, oh, I've recently just done done one. But as soon as you have that backpack on your back with all those belongings in a 20K, and then as soon as you hit harsh mm-hmm. um, environment. So the thing is a lot of people when they think of hiking, they think of just like nice trails or whatever a certain way. But what we're talking about here is having all your gear on you, having to be able to sustain yourself and having to trek through like – Pretty much, well, no trail. You don't have any trails. You're actually going through harsh terrain. And that toll that that has on the body is just so much harder. It is, it's like, yeah. well, quite often you get left with just your mind and your mind just has to push on. Not to mention how dangerous it is. Like, <laughs> you've, you, all you had to do was suffer one little cut to your, your foot or anything. Then 
how easy it would oh, have been to be was, infected. It was definitely like cuts, yeah. But a trip yeah. over swollen ankle, like imagine, th- think about this, imagine you trip over, break your ankle. The yeah. other one's going to try carry or the wolves are going to get you. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've talked about that, yeah. I mean, those scenarios could have happened. You've really got to trust the person you're with. When you do these sit- when you do these things, people often say like when you go do these crazy trips, you've really got to trust the person you're with. That's right. So it's so easy too to get frustrated with each other. It's so easy to like, because you're both in a high level of stress. Yeah. You're both in a stressful state. You're both, But at the same time, that is the biggest bonding experiences that you can have. That's why we didn't know each other much, but uh, we created a bond together and the trust was there to begin with. And um, yeah, and I think we stayed together for another couple of weeks. Uh, I lived in his place because he wanted to stay in Mongolia and uh, I'm pretty sure he's still there. Um, Yeah, Yeah, he he embraced the the culture, which is a fascinating culture, by the way. Yeah. So you've travelled through Mongolia now. So you've just you've nearly died twice now. Once in <laughs> Russia, <laughs> um, once uh, once crossing the tundra. Now, what's well, your the plan? Death, the death you experience get were, were more obvious in uh, when I was in Mongolia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I kept travelling, you know, to China and you know all the other countries in Vietnam. Mong- Wait, how did you end Mongolia. up in Australia? Uh, well, I just yeah keep traveling through yeah. through Isn't the world it? until I arrive in Australia. So, um, did yeah. you come by boat or did you fly? I took <laughs> the boat sometimes. I did. No, no, I didn't take any flights. So, how, so did, how did you get into Australia? Wait, so wait, you've traveled down through Asia and then you've come to Australia. Yeah, so Southeast Asia. No planes. Went down to the local Bali. Yeah, and to Bali. That's right. And uh, I've tried really hard to come to Australia by boat. Um, but it didn't seem to be any um, options for me. I went to the embassy in um, Kuala Lumpur and also in Jakarta, and I even went to the consulate in Bali trying to figure out a way to go to Australia without taking a flight. And yeah, they just um, there was just no options. So my um, visa in Indonesia was running out because you know I crossed the whole. Sumatra, Java, and Bali, and I was just really running out in terms of the days oh, yeah. and my visa. And um, yeah, until the last day, I think I was like, no, I'm going to take my chances. Probably, I went to the marina and trying to get a boat, but the boat would leave maybe a couple of days later. And I wanted to take the risk, uh, but with all that happened, borders, I had issues with borders in China too, and I don't know, I just had enough. With this, uh, um, yeah, I bought a flight ticket from Bali to Darwin, which was the shortest distance. So, but then because of what well, because the fact that I took a flight, I wanted to walk through the Australian desert oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 as, a, as some sort of a punishment, you know? Okay, wait. So, you've trekked all the way down through China, down through Southeast Asia. Yeah. So this whole way, yeah, this whole trip from France, you haven't taken one flight. No. You've come all the way down through. You, you've gone through Sumatra. Actually, you were telling me earlier about. Um, maybe we'll get back to it. But yeah. you're telling me earlier about some crazy treks you've done through Sumatra through the jungle. Yeah. But just wait. So you've decided you're trying to get to a boat to Australia. You can't get a boat. So now you've gone. Okay, I'm going to have to get a plane. So you've taken it your is, first plane ride and you felt that bad about it. So now what, uh, you, what did you do to make up for it? I might just Imagine. go to the Kimberley just, uh, <laughs> for a few weeks. <laughs> so yeah, okay. I, I tried so hard not to take any flight and this time I had no other options. So I was like, well, 
I'm going to have to to make it up for it. So um, I wanted to walk through the Australian outback. Um, and, uh, I've, you know, maybe I didn't have much understanding of how Australia is big <laughs> and how <laughs> it's harsh out there. Uh, but then, you know, trying to talk about it with the... Uh, you know, the locals in Darwin um, telling me that it was a very crazy idea. I was like, well, then in that case, I'm going to take my pushback. And that's what I did. I took a pushback and I, 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 took, I went to came out to buy a, a $5 <laughs> tent. And <laughs> I took the, I, I had like literally no comfort. I had a little trailer where I could put my backpack in, a, you know, a good amount of water. And um, yeah, and then I traveled uh, in the outback with my pushback. And so wait. You've flown to Australia. You've gone. You've gone. I feel so bad inside that I've taken a plane. So you've gone and bought a push bike and gone. I'm gonna. I want to ride across the Australian outback. So where have you gone? You've decided to start riding from Darwin. Where? So Darwin all the way to Alice Springs, <laughs> and then I stayed a little bit in Alice Springs, and Get then I took push all the way d- <laughs> push bike <laughs> to Alice Springs. <laughs> How um, many kilometers? Darwin, Northern Territory. We're just yeah, going to Google Darwin. I'm, not, I'm actually just going to Google the Ks and just... Oh, actually, yeah, there's a push box and option. Give me one second. Okay, so <laughs> if anyone doesn't know the Australian climate, um, Darwin, so this is tropical. So this isn't just hot. This is humid. This is extremely humid. Yeah, well, it was... <laughs> 1,000. Oh, so, so looking at it by car, <laughs> it's 16 hours and or nearly 17 hours in a car. But if you go buy a bicycle to Alice Springs, it's, what? Uh, it's, it's maybe... No, but you, you are using Google Maps. It's I mean, yeah, I am accurate. using Google Maps. So I'm guessing you didn't 1, 000, do that. No, well, it's, it's not accurate. Just Google, it does say 1,498 kilometers. Well, when, when I traveled from, from Darwin to Alice Springs... Um, I was traveling in an average of uh, like 100 k's um, per day. It could be less, it could be more. But it wasn't, uh, I know you mentioned it was tropical, but it was August at the time. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it would be really hot during the day and really cold during the night. So once you start hitting the desert, so, yeah, so when you did go it get worse? Cat- Catherine. And then after Catherine, that's it. It's pretty much very wild. But there's nothing out there. No. So like... How can you carry enough food and water <laughs> to go through the desert on a push bike? It was really without tough. a cart. What? It was, yeah, it was. I think. Did the, you? Did, were you expecting there to be such nothingness? So, basically, you're going from the top middle of Australia down to the centre of Australia on a push bike. Yeah, and this, this, this was just half of my trip. Then I went to Uluru in the way back, which is the same distance. To, yeah. <laughs> oh, basically the distance between Darwin to Adelaide um, but in terms of like uh, food um, I would have a lot of cans I think the, the biggest issue here was that I had to carry a lot of food and water with me and you know carrying this on the back it's just I mean I wish I didn't have to carry all of that because it's, it was very painful how did way. you sleep? Um, yeah I would just like go on the side of the road and in the bush and Pitch my tent, make a fire, make my food. I didn't have any gas stove or anything Did like that. Did you have jackets? Just, or, it's freezing at night out there. It's a desert, yeah. so it's really hot in the day. I didn't have any jacket. I was just using all my clothes in my backpack, basically. How cold are we talking? How cold? Oh, it's really it's, it gets cold. freezing out there, especially in the middle of winter. Well, I didn't have any like mats uh, on my tent, so I would, I, would, I would have the coat from the ground, which was 
very freezing. I would have wake up at 4.30 in the morning shaking because I couldn't sleep anymore. And then I would make a fire and, you know, trying to get a bit of sleep until maybe uh, 6.30 and then take the road. I think the most amazing thing is is that you did it all on a Kmart push bike. That's <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, sorry, the, the tent, the tent <laughs> oh, the was, tent was okay. no, oh. the, the pushback I still have now is really. But did you get like a, a like a decent push bike? Yeah, I yeah. was lucky because I was like, oh my god, he's on a Kmart bike. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I randomly <laughs> trying to put it together on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, it's just a repco. <laughs> <laughs> I randomly uh, met someone a local in Darwin. And I uh, told him the story that I wanted to walk and then I uh, decided to do it with a pushback and he found that, yeah, he found that story crazy and I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to give you a bike. And He gave yeah, you a bike? Well, he, he, he was there to offer me a bike with a trailer, which was worth almost $1,500, really. And I was like feeling so bad and I was like, well, I actually walked in a, I worked in a Darwin uh, Turf club, <laughs> yeah, making bets for a few few months. Uh, don't ask me how I got that job, <laughs> but anyway, I I was able to pay a little amount, so I gave him five hundred dollars, and yeah, shit, I was so lucky because. So what was your plan? Thanks so you, to him, I did that that trip. I wouldn't be able to otherwise. Were you ever in a? What was your state of mind? Were you ever in a in a part where you didn't have much food or water because there was no yes. place to water? Um, at some stage, I was very scared because after three days, I didn't talk to no one. Uh, you know, it it was definitely the biggest challenge I had in my life. That uh, how long did it take? Trip. You? It was mentally really hard, and uh, you know, I was just by myself. And uh, I remember telling to myself like, "What was wrong with me? You know, why do I put myself in a situation where?" I'm almost going to die, you know. Yeah, like, do you was- start having these conversations with yourself constantly? Because you're alone, obviously. Yeah. Like, I know, like, I talk to myself when I'm sitting alone at home. <laughs> like, yeah. if you're sitting there three days on the road, I would imagine that you're having... Uh, I was pissed off at me, that's yeah. for sure, the whole time. I was just, yeah. I'm not talking to you the rest of the day. Like, it's <laughs> 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 hard I wish. <laughs> so, how long did the whole trip take you? On pushback, how long? Uh, that would have been around a month and a half. But I had the little break in um, Alice Springs, so yeah, yeah. it's still six weeks. You're on pushback in the middle of the desert, plus yeah. forty degrees. Let's say what up to plus plus forty five. Oh. It gets hot out there. What about that time of year? And then that, yeah. that hits minus temperatures at night. Yeah, that was really the cold that was bothering me more than the heat during the day. I didn't really care. But at the end of the trip, I was skinny, like crazy skinny um like yeah i was in a bad shape i needed to go back there and have a you could tell my even my body couldn't sustain it like what what makes you want to do this like what is it in your mind that wants to challenge yourself so much what is it in you that makes you want to be so adventurous and go out and find these things like you've like i know you kind of felt bad because you you took um a plane ride so you wanted to give yourself a challenge to kind of make up for it but what what is it in you that makes you want to challenge and just push these boundaries so much and have such raw adventure? Like you literally just rode a push bike for six weeks across the desert. Like that is just absolutely insane. Like physically, most most people cannot do that physically and mentally. That is just such a mental. That it's all yeah. about the mental state. Well, I, I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> <You wouldn't. laughs> although, although you know, 
it was a but what is it that makes you do that like i guess you know how, how do you know yourself if you don't challenge yourself i think that was probably the question you know i just wanted to know who i was you know you know i always been very strong-minded and i always felt like um if i I don't know if I expose myself in a difficult situation, then I will I will be able to learn about. Well, do you know what it is? Um, what it is is as soon as you put yourself. This is why I like to challenge myself. As soon as you put yourself in a situation where only you can sort it out, only you can be responsible where you have to be responsible for everything so it's like basically in our everyday to day life it's so easy to be able to put the finger point the finger at something else or like you know have a distraction or be able to say it's that their fault it's their fault or like just even to get yourself food it's like it's so easy to do as soon as you strip yourself of any any of that you like as soon as you put yourself in a survival situation you are completely responsible for yourself so you you out in the middle of nowhere with no food or water the only thing that can get you to that next town is yourself on that push bike. You know what I mean? Is your mind. So as soon as you're stripped of everything else, you're left with complete responsibility for yourself. And as soon as you're left with like yourself, that's when you learn about yourself. You know, that's where you get all that drive. That's where you, I don't know. It's just, that's for me. It's like, I find that I'm just completely responsible. Like there's no one else that can do it for me. No, I think I think you're me. right, and it's, it's just for some reason it's this liberating, like growing experience that you know I can do this, and then when you constantly challenge yourself like this, you feel like you can do anything. It's just insane. Yeah, that's right. I think I think you know everyone can do can can go beyond the what they think the capability are. Uh, I think I think we are really strong human being, and in reality. I really believe that there's a lot of like experiences that I haven't went through. I would still keep challenging myself in, yeah. in extreme because in reality, I can tell you, you always find a way. Yeah, you always do find a did way. You, did you know this was going to be that hard? What was your frame of mind when you left? Were you just like, oh no, sweet, I'm just going to ride to Alice Springs? Oh, did you know God. it was going to be as hard as it was? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> it's, you had no idea. I was trying to add back his hash. Yeah. You have no references. There's no life. Uh, it's just, it's, uh, yeah. It's just raw. It's, yeah, you have, um, there's nothing going on out there. And you feel really alone, like you, you're in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's, this, you don't have any conversation with anyone. It's just, um, it's beautiful, but extremely wild and even dangerous. And you feel the danger. I mean, I went in a situation where I, I was running out of water and I was like, whoa, I'm just keep going, keep going. And then I'm like, well, no one's going to come around and help me. <laughs> yeah, you're just getting, that's that responsibility. And if I, I die about. here, who would know? I mean, yeah. how I'm going to tell my parents that, you know, <laughs> it's not like you have a network there. You can call the, someone to help you out, you know. Oh, it's just insane. It's just, you, it's just Did, yourself. So do you feel you grew from it? Oh yeah, it changed. It changed my life, but like every experience, but I guess this one probably changed. Yeah, like a lot. how? Like as in it? You found I, so much strength it, it, you it didn't just, know you it had. It just broke me. It just broke my ego. Yeah, uh, I just spend a lot of time with my ego. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Alan Watts. He says it's like it's so weird about human nature that we have to um, test ourselves or put ourselves through the mill to be able to grow. But it's like we have to do it. It's, it's like it's like. Um, we learn all this stuff. We learn how to like be happy. We learn how to 
um, do all this stuff on the intellectual level of the mind. But it's like you never know until you experience, until you feel it. It's like your parents tell you, tell you don't touch the hot plate because you'll burn so you know not to touch it but you actually don't really know until you experience it so, so one day you go up and you, you yeah. touch the hot plate and then you've experienced you've felt it so then you know it on the on the physical you know it on the spiritual you know it on that deeper level that level that you suddenly grow before it was only on the intellectual mind you know you knew not to do it but you didn't really know why you didn't feel it so as soon as you challenge yourself like this and you put yourself in these raw situations you strip yourself from everything where you're left with it being completely responsible for yourself like this you just you have that feeling you just learn you just grow do you ever feel sorry for those people who who don't try these challenges or don't experience the world that don't push themselves do you yeah. mean like like for example i find there's a lot of people who are like i'm going to save up and go overseas i'm going to go on a trip i'm like that's great you should do it it's one of the best things i've ever done and then like yep yep and then suddenly they do it and he goes mate i booked my trip i'm like oh sweet where are you going I'm doing a cruise to Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, yeah, after the... And I, don't give That's fine. That there, there's fine. nothing wrong with yeah, that. there's nothing but, wrong. But, um, but I, uh, that's, for me, I feel like it's the lazy... The lazy well, you cut yourself short. No, but there is nothing wrong with going on a cruise to Fiji. Every type of travelling and tourism and everything um, and holiday... Making it's an is, experience, is an experience course, and, yeah. it's, and it's good. But what you mean is it's, there's nothing bad about that. Um, Fiji trip is that what and I because I get this all the time it's because someone was sitting there saying that they want to break the boundaries they want to go push themselves and challenge themselves and go on an adventure and yeah. go on this crazy um, trip and they and then they cut themselves short by doing the easy option yeah you like don't get me wrong if you've got a family with like you know three kids and a wife and, and stuff and you're getting old like I, I get it like the cruise is, is a very or if you get Helpful two weeks option. off a year and you just don't want to deal with anything, so just, <laughs> yeah. like, just give me cocktails. Yeah. But, you know, in the end of the day, we are our own um, judge, you know, like mm. I've seen families uh, traveling with, uh, you know, newborns. I've seen oh. a very young woman doing, I don't think we do have any excuse. Do you, do you wanna, it's, it's really, the, it really depends of how you yeah. want to challenge yourself and it really depends of your personality too, you yeah. know. Mm. I know that I always want it. To travel, you know, well, it's well that that way of traveling is not for everyone. It's like my, oh, my yeah. travel is not for everyone either. Yeah. It's just like yeah, it's, oh, oh, when oh. I was when I was um out just before I did that island trip, I went out and did a um five days no food no water on an island out in the Keppels. But I went I went out there a couple of weeks before by boat to check it out, and there was another boat there that having a barbecue there, down on the beach and everything, and um. I had done a big run around the island exploring it and I had no water. <laughs> I was just like, fuck it, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll find some water. I'll get a coconut, whatever. And then I've seen these people, other people having a barbecue. So I've gone up and I'm like, how you going, guys? They're like, who's this guy out here? You know, like, because there's all these islands out there. There's no one else around. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm just checking out the island. I'm going to come camp out here, you know, and um, do a bit of a trip. And I was like, oh, would you, would you mind... Um, can I have some water, please? <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, dude. There's some water. And they're just like, what do you mean? You're going to come camp out here with no food or no water? And I was just like, yeah, just, you know, a bit of a challenge or whatever. And then this this lady goes, she goes, gee, I'd hate to be your girlfriend. <laughs> I was just like, I never thought about it. I was just like, yeah, that would... Um, it's because they saw you as reckless, you know? The, yeah, well, no, it's just that it's, that's just not for everyone. It's like I get such a kick and such an excitement out of it. I just love doing mm-hmm. that. It's so raw. You're just out there with nature. But it's like, you think about it for someone else, that's their idea of hell. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> why the fuck? I think we're and I get it. I fully get it. It's just like... But for me, it's just my personality and your personality and, and yours mm-hmm. too, Matt. You like, to, you like to have a challenge. 
you know, and you like to constantly challenge yourself. And it's like in some way you get addicted to that feeling of just feeling so like powerful. And you're just like, you're like, whoa, what can I do next? Where's yeah. my next challenge? What can I go experience? And you get addicted to these adventures and this experience and this and this rawness. And mm, but that's you know exactly what you're talking about. The you know, you know, you say why I did that, and the the thing is, you know, when I did it, it was just natural. Like I never felt that it was crazy. Yeah, um, I know. What like, you, mean. you know, <laughs> w- when I go into like difficult situation, and I know I'm, I'm in a bad situation. I mean, I've been in a bad situation doing nothing, staying at home. You know, with issues with my job or anything like that. You know, we always go through it. But the reality is that I never felt like I was doing something crazy. Yeah. I was just doing something that I wanted to do at the time. I wanted to do it. And I know a lot of travelers does that. There's travelers that travel, you know, for years, and this is just a life. And it was my life at the time. Yeah, well, you're known like, that for yeah. Quite I mean, years. going through deserts. Yeah, I'll do that. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, would you say that challenging yourself to such a degree like this, um, would you say that now that you've been through that, like you made it through the desert, do you find that you reflect that in your normal life now? When something does bad happen with your job or with this, do you like? Is it now you can say to yourself, well, if I got through the desert, I can get through this kind of thing? Do you find that that was a learning curve like that? Mm, yes. Because that's how I find with things. It's like it's like that. Yeah, it looks like that. It would be more of a just have a natural instinct to to fix the problem that you're in just that's by right. yeah. being in you know harsh problems. Yeah. So you're going to continue traveling like this because... Yes. Yeah, that's what, that was going to uh, be my next question. Like, what's next? Is it what's what's the next? Uh, <laughs> well, I went back to the corporate track. world um, for a few years. You know, I love uh, that you go back to the corporate world. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. I feel like I'm a little bit like a chameleon. You know, I can be any anything, anyone. You know, yeah. Like literally, I've done so many jobs. I was like, <laughs> you know, traveling like this, I had no money, and you yeah. could have asked like, how did you travel with that money? Like, you know, a lot of people would ask this question, but the reality is that I was working. You know. And the work that I did was the dream jobs, you know, like being a dive master. Yeah. Uh, I would work in Malaysia, get some money on the side, and I would work in yeah. some other countries, do any type of jobs, get the money on the side. And you work for nothing travel. and it just goes. Like, yeah. Mm. It, you make it work. So, yeah, what's next is um, I just quit my job and, uh, I'll, and you, go back, uh, I'll go back to that uh, nomad life. You're about to be in nomad <laughs> This again. time, maybe, uh, yeah, around Latin America. Or, I don't know, any other continents, anywhere well, I'm where the sh- universe... I'm sure you're going to challenge yourself again. That's the thing. And it's yeah. also what I'm scared of. It's probably what your mum's scared of too. It's like, my mum, stop listening to She's me. She's always just scared. like, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know about it. I used to but, tell my story to my mum after it happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would never said before yeah. because she would be too worried. Yeah. Well, that's like the first time I did cocaine. I didn't tell mum until <laughs> much later. And then I, I just admitted it one. I was like, yeah, don't worry. Like I did it, but I did it really safely, which, which I don't, which I, was probably a bit of a lie as well. But, what are you talking about? About it. We tried <laughs> it in an underground exactly. den in Bolivia. Well, see, I, that's what I mean. It, it, it took a while to explain that. But yeah. we'd never touched. Co- co- we're not into not into chemical drugs at all. And but when in Rome, you know, and we're in Bolivia, mm. and we hear about this. Um, was this two thousand and eight? Two thousand and nine. We hear about this underground coke den. And we're like, well, 
Route 36, it's quite known about now, but it wasn't back in the day. It was like... Well, well actually, what happened was uh, your friend, uh, Leif, was it Leif Emberg? Oh, yeah. yeah Leif, Leif, Leif and Jamie, two mates yeah. of mine, had travelled there the year before and they told us about this underground coke down that not many people Whoa. know about. And they said they wrote their names on a flag on the wall. So, you got to go there. And that blew our minds. We're like, so we're we going to go find this flag. And <laughs> at the start, like now it's quite, Route Trente says, now it's quite famous. It's like it was known as the underground coke bar. But back in late 2008, sub 2009, it was like really on the hush-hush. So we're in Bolivian La Paz and um, we've gone asking taxi drivers and they don't... I think we asked like maybe three first and they didn't know. A lot were very hesitant, either hesitant or they just didn't know. Yeah. And then we found one who did. Yeah. (laughs) So he's taken us into the slums, like the back part of La Paz and um, he's just got us out and he's just pointed at this door and we're like... We're talking like like an old school medieval... (laughs) <laughs> type looking door and uh he's told one of us to get out of the car walk up and knock on the door so we all just look at aaron <laughs> who's the most adventurous of us all and he knocks on this door and it's just literally like a, a, like yeah, a, a little, big little thing a little hole opened up the check yeah, a little was. swipe thing and his eyes just pop out and look at us <laughs> and he walked in there and and then we we're like Oh shit! And I don't know. You just see. Yeah. I just he signaled us. And yeah, we ran like, in. come back. It's fine. We come in, but we come into this. The security guard behind us shuts the door, tells us to like be quiet. Like shh. Then we walk down these stairs to a fake wall, and we're sitting there like, what the fuck? Where are we? Next thing, he opens up the wall and opens up to this <laughs> underground bar. No joke with all these flags on and the wall. It was, wall. Not, it was a nice up. bar too. Like, well, yeah. like it wasn't amazing or anything, but considering it it's underground, cool. it was yeah, pretty yeah. nice and bar. And we, we walk up to the bar and we're like, all right, we're looking at the menu. And the menu's like beer, a beer menu, a marijuana menu, and then a cocaine menu. And we're like cut with all different things. And we're just like, what the hell do we do? So we're like, we'll have one, please. <laughs> and we're, it comes out on a CD case with all these straws. Yeah. So it came out a little black bag. They chopped straws up for how many people there are. And you had a little CD case. And yes, we just, somebody just pulled a so card out. It was actually a really well organized uh, cocaine bar. It was bar. insane. And <laughs> but- my... The flat, and then yeah, we look in the corner. Well, we, we didn't find- even think about it. We thought, oh, and then we yeah, we were sitting there, we were snorting a little bit, and then we're like, we're all little lions, all very nervous. <laughs> so and then scared. Somebody just said the flags on the wall, and we're like, oh shit! And we went looking for the flags on the wall, and we found it. Yeah, we found their names from a year before, where they're written in the corner of the flag. Right. So then we wrote under it. Look at yeah. the photos. Yeah, it's pretty insane, but. The funniest thing was trying to leave because we ended up making friends with these like three other dudes in there. Yeah, well, there was five Danish. or six of us. Were they Danish, were they? Yeah. yeah. It's about five or six of us. So this made about eight or nine. And we all go to leave at about, I don't know, one or two a.m. in the morning or something. Well, that, see, that's awesome. <laughs> well, one of the greatest things about it. It was like eight o'clock when we got there and we were all saying, hey, we'll just we'll try it. We'll, we'll do a little bit and then, and then we'll leave. We'll go to a proper bar. And it was literally, we got down there at 8 o'clock, we started doing it, and then <laughs> one, you know, 1 or 2 a.m. suddenly. I and like, where did the time up. go? Like, where did the time go? <laughs> and we went to... <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, this is all coming back to me now. We went to this bar, and I needed to shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I've oh done... <laughs> and I'm like, I've met this guy. As I was walking to the toilet, I've met this dude, and he goes, where are you from? Are you from Australia? I went, yeah, I'm from Australia. And I'm talking to this guy. He's he's bullying me from the other side of the room because he knew I needed a shit. And he's like, oh, look at Matt making friends. Like, just coked out of his mind. And I've, uh, so I'm trying to end this conversation with this guy because like my stomach is just needed to go. And I've, <laughs> I've gotten into this toilet 
and it's this dirty toilet in, in in a makeshift bar in Bolivia, and I'm like, it's it's gonna happen. I have to do this. <laughs> And you know, all the when you go to a really dirty toilet, you're like, oh, you either sit down, and get it done, or you try and like you try and make it a little it's bit toilet paper on the, <laughs> on the seat. <laughs> I've covered this Splash thing. Pad. I've covered this thing in in uh, toilet paper, <laughs> and like it was the biggest cocaine poo I've ever done. <laughs> how did we get to surviving in the desert? To I'm sorry, dear. I, I don't know how it came to it, but and I, I remember when but, you could eat the cocaine but, poo. <laughs> yeah, the cocaine poo, and I remember thinking that was incredible. That was incredible. I came out, and we were all good. We had a few beers. We got back to the hostel. No, wait. How we got back to the hostel? I don't remember. No. So we walked out. We said we wanted to leave, so we ordered a taxi, and then we walked out, and there was eight of us. Eight or nine of us. And we've had to do the whole fake door thing. And then we're all stuck in the alleyway because the security guard wouldn't let us out because he had to like look and they had to, they had spotters out make sure no one was coming. Oh, wow. So once I don't the taxi, once the taxi rocked up, we even though the taxi was out the front, we had to wait ages till all the spotters said it was all clear. So then they've opened the door and we've all run into the taxi, but there was only one taxi. There was supposed to be two because there was eight of us. <laughs> Do you remember this? So we all, no. we all had to climb in. So there was... There was two, two, two in the back, and Ryan Purdy laid across all of them. Oh, and then yeah, there I do remember three of us in yeah. the front. And, and then, the, um, yeah, then we went back to the hostel. Do you remember what happened when we went to the hostel? No. Oh God! You think the coke? Oh God! I'll come back <laughs> and tell this story because it's really embarrassing for me. Um, so we got back, and um, me and uh, uh, an old friend of ours, Scott Sheriffs, um, got back, and Aaron, Aaron, for some reason, said to us. Don't try and have sex with each other because you won't be able to get a boner. And, and <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. <laughs> and I've gone into the toilets and I've tried to masturbate. I've tried to masturbate, um, you know, to like try to get an erection. And I was like, this isn't working. And I spent, I don't know how long I was in there for, but I got there eventually. <laughs> But I remember, I remember walking back into the room where we were sleeping, and Scott's gone, "Where have you been?" And I was like, "Oh, just just went to the toilet, <laughs> just proving Aaron wrong." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, just just went to the toilet," <laughs> and you made your point. <laughs> yeah. So, did you, ever pro- did you ever let me know? I can't remember. I don't know. I, but obviously, yeah. otherwise I would have remembered it. <laughs> I, the, the vivid memory I have is just sitting there masturbating for ages in the toilet, coked out of my brain, going. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get done. <laughs> Have you ever read the book Marching Powder? I don't think so. The, um, the prison in the middle of La Paz, how it's a, um, a weird, it's set up, it has its own economic so economy kind of thing. So if you take the male out of, out of the family in Bolivia, the family wouldn't be able to survive kind of thing. So they ended up bringing this thing, and it's like a lot through South American prisons where um, the family can go in jail with the male. But basically, well, their jail's there. They only have guards on the outside. There's nothing on the inside. It's just a free-for-all. So as soon as you go on the inside, it's like everyone buys their own cells. There's like a real estate. Like because women and children can come and go, they um, bring food and stuff from the outside. They bring, um, you know, they have little restaurants on the inside and everything. Yeah, it's like a little society. Yeah. yeah. But, but there was this, a, a penal center. So I'll, I'll just read to everyone who, who's never heard of it before. Do Google it. But, um, yeah, basically it's the largest prison in La Paz and it's renowned for being a society within itself. And, yeah, everyone has the freedom to move around inside the prison walls. And basically you could do tours 
yeah, and so you'd pay people. And <laughs> how to the get tours your came about was uh, this guy Thomas years ago, English guy, got done for drug trafficking. Um, basically, he paid one night to go out and party in La Paz and met a girl. I think it was just from memory, but he bought her back because at the time he was drunk, and he, he, at the time he used it and said it was his family because everyone else's except for the internationals that were in there, all the locals, all their family could come into the prison. Mm. So then he one day, because he met that one backpacker, I think he started a little, there was a little thing on the D like, come give us some money and I'll give you a tour because everyone wanted to know what was going on inside the prison. So basically by the time we got there, it was kind of it was mega on the download, but we got told by a couple other travelers, like go hang out in front of the prison and you might get approached. We hadn't heard of anyone that had been able to do it that it had worked for but we did we went and hung out in front of the it was prison. almost instant yeah and this this um south african guy, guy came over and goes oh hey do you just want to come inside the prison i'm like yeah and he goes all right well x amount of dollars each and what that does that'll um pay guys to be your bodyguards it sounds like you went to disneyland but yeah prison. We'll pay these guys <laughs> to be your bodyguards and um, a warped version yeah. of disneyland so then he goes okay so we go over <laughs> i think there's about five or six of us we go around and we stand around the corner where the guards are at the front and they wait for a distraction from the guards like the guards know but i think they get a paid off to go turn around of course and so next thing he goes run and we all run down the alleyway into the prison but down into this like into this office room and we all come out he tells us the rules no cameras and everything i've got a camera so i put it down my undies and he's like tells us that as soon as they open the guards open the doors we're inside the prison we're in their their rules there's going to be some people there they're going to be our guards and they're going to be our bodyguards, and then there'll be a guy that can speak English, and he'll show us, take us around the prison. But there's actually guards that is controlling. The guards are only on the outside. In Inside, everyone controls themselves. So there's yeah. just gangs, and there's just it's wild. It's the they it has its own economy. So they make most of the cocaine. That well, well, it's rumored. We we were told that it happens, but we never actually saw it with our eyes. Yeah, what? the actual cocaine. No, the rumoured, yeah. Oh, no, we didn't see him cooking Yeah, it. we didn't see it cooking. It was rumoured we bought some in there from yeah. memory. So, basically, what you do is we go in. I just remember Scott was so scared. He was shaking, especially because I had the camera in my undies. I was like, no, nah, fuck it. Stop <laughs> <Just laughs> taking it in. Take the oh, man, I took some photos in there. It was insane. But it was, it was so, the adrenaline was insane because, like, we went into this other world of all these prisoners, these gangsters, and you saw the different levels. You saw the crack addicts. There was all these – because in there they smoked the, the, the paste before it becomes cocaine, the, yeah. the, the crack. And then all these shrunken faces, and it's like you see oh. the ones that don't – yeah. And, and you, don't, uh, you don't get given a prison cell from, from what I no, remember. No, you just get thrown in there. You get thrown in. You have to buy. So you find your own. You have yeah. to buy or rent a, a cell. Yeah. So there's different levels of So you do this tour and it was done for quality. us by a Portuguese guy who um, was in there for drug trafficking. But right at the end, they take you into a room and then they sell you cocaine yeah. or marijuana. So I remember we, we bought a bit of weed. I was too scared to buy the coke at the time. I can't remember. And everyone yeah. else bought the coke. The other crew, like Ryan and... Yeah. Yeah, it was just insane. Hey, we're going to wrap this up yeah, anyway because it's nearly two hours. But yeah. I want you back here because we didn't even touch on the Sumatran story because you were telling me a wild story yeah, well, earlier about being in the Sumatran jungle. <laughs> if I have to go through all the stories, I went through all these countries. You we'll know. be here all night. Yeah. yeah. That's, but, um, that's, that's the thing, you know, when, when you travel as nomad, like you leave the day each day. Like seriously, I'm not lying. Every morning I would wake up, I would not even know where I would sleep. Like, yeah, not, I didn't even know where I would go. Like, I didn't have that much of planning. Like, it was just living each day as as it was. And 
and yeah, and that excitement, you know, in the morning, I, I used to always wake up with a smile and saying, well, where is this day going to lead me? Like, where, where I'm going to go? What adventure I'm going to like, have? What am I going to But when you have a, a positive attitude and, and you're going out there in the world, uh, knowing that you're there just to have fun and live the day and everything happens, you know, the whole universe is there to to make sure you have fun and that's basically what we we hear really yeah uh, enjoying so, yeah. life to the fullest that's, that's great and yeah and keep feel taking free risks. you know <laughs> yeah. just keep yeah. doing it put a, put a bit of a challenge out there yeah. you know to, to make it a bit uh, exciting right. let's wrap this up guys thanks for telling us that story yeah, Hisham please listening. come back and tell me all about that volcano in Sumatra that you touched on earlier Hisham sleeping in a volcano no what no getting stuck in the jungle running from the <laughs> volcano <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, yeah. I went over my head and uh, I thought I would have uh, climbed that, that volcano without having yeah. <laughs> to. Next yeah. story, you crazy motherfucker. It's <laughs> uh, continued. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. See you later, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Do it like a double.